Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 82 from <laughs> Five Pin Universe. Uh, as everybody knows, hockey has started today. Um, the professionals get to keep on playing their sports and doing their work, and we're all stuck at home. But um, moving on with that, we got the Wiseman brothers, Tim and Dexter, and uh, Daryl Bradley is back in the house after his week of well-earned time off. Yeah, a little skiing, a little hot springs, fellas. It was good. To, uh, it was good to do it. Awesome! Incredibly jealous, honestly. We uh, well, that's some new music and a new icon too. Hey, Carrie, yeah. well done. A little bit of yeah. work. We might have got called out by a, a Bufa rep. They had the same <laughs> intro, so I uh, I mixed it up a little bit here for them. So I like it. I want to know what everybody thinks. Who is it? Who does it look like the most? What's the everybody <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah oh, exactly. Tim's is perfect. Yeah. Tim's is perfect. We had to we had to work or Carrie had to work on Daryl's a few times trying to get that jawline right. But Tim Tim yeah. doesn't have a jawline, so that was easy. We need jawline. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. No gray hairs in my beard. I don't know if you could do that. It's a speckle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hard to do on black and white. <laughs> uh so will this flash on the screen? Um, all our patrons. We we gathered a couple more patrons over the week. Um, we thank them very much, Kathy Davidson and um, James Boxhall. Um, once again, it's just at patreon.com slash 5 You can now pay in Canadian funds for as little $2 a month and help support us run this podcast and produce a bunch of more media going on here. Um, once again, we would like to thank All Star Bowling Sales for supporting us for another episode. Um, they are happy enough to advertise on our podcast and go visit them at allstarbowlingsales.com and uh, purchase some bowling stuff because hopefully we'll get the bowl soon out here. Um, we'll just put them up here. You guys have anything, any people you want to call out on this list? Crickets, eh? We got crickets. Yeah, out there. crickets. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> happy with what's going on. <laughs> That was a bad Maybe, segue. There might have been an anonymous donation to Five Pin Universe. Yeah, <laughs> BPG might have uh, anonymous something yeah. in the works for uh, future events. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll slap All Star Bowling Sales, and then we'll bring our special guest of the week on with us, and uh, we'll try not to keep you up too late, everybody from uh, out east. And our special guest of the week is proud Newfoundlander, Mr. Brad Glenn. <laughs> Hey guys! Hey buddy! It's gonna be it's gonna be a late one out there for the for the Easterners. Yeah, it's way past my bedtime right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like we're officially gonna have to ban some people off our chat already, eh? All these people cheering for Canucks. What is there must be Canucks fans in the group. Yeah. Let's get, get out of here. Brad, are you a hockey fan? Are you watching uh, hockey tonight? Who would you be supporting? Uh, I would be supporting the Leafs, so we'll move on from that now. We're <laughs> <laughs> in the background. We're in the background. Uh, uh, three, I think. I'm going to be the uh, – yeah. hopefully nobody's you know, taping that one because they're watching us mm, live. Right? Yeah. yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Minimized on their phone or something. <laughs> Uh, awesome so um brad obviously newfoundland um being an island and stuff has dealt with covid uh a little bit better than us mainlanders can you go over how things have kind of gone for you out there uh again we're so incredibly lucky like truly uh schools kind of shut down march 15th as i'm a kindergarten teacher 
Uh, and we ran, I work at a private school. We ran our school from March to June online. Uh, our public system just basically shut down um, for those months. Uh, so teaching kindergarten on a Zoom is about as fun as you would imagine um, it is. Uh, but I felt lucky to do that. And honestly, we've had in-school learning since September. Um, our businesses are generally up and running, you know, restaurants got limited restrictions, everywhere's got little things, uh, but I mean, we're down to three cases right now, um, with, we're almost done that bump that you would expect from Christmas, right? Hit Friday, Friday is two weeks since New Year's Eve, and we haven't had a huge increase, um, you know, we've had four deaths, and any death is, is sad, but compared to what other places are seeing, we are, we're really lucky, right? And part of it's that we're an island, and part of it's that, that people are doing a great job of doing what they're supposed to be doing. Good. Yeah. You you guys did as a province what Canada should have done as a whole, which is just lock down everybody. Yeah. <laughs> just lock, lock down the, the country. Don't yeah. let people in and out all over a day. Uh, you guys did a great job of that. And honestly, yeah. W way to use your environment. I love it. Yeah, it, it helped a lot. Are you, is anybody allowed into the province or like interprovince? Uh, Travel flying in, or what's the rules on that? So rotational workers are allowed to come in and out. Uh, there's been a various levels of restrictions off them. Obviously, we got lots of rotational workers coming back and forth from your province. Uh, you know, both of our oil and gas industries, right? So um, there are limited restrictions on them. They've increased and decreased depending on how things are here. Uh, and other people can get exemptions to come here. They do need to do. Uh, right now, it's a 14-day quarantine if you're not a rotational worker. Uh, it was less than that, but once things kind of had an uptick in December, uh, our chief medical officer of health and our minister of health, who's also a doctor, uh, which is helpful at this time, um, <laughs> locked everything down uh, pretty quickly. So it's it's pretty limited. Mm -hmm. Smart. Now you would uh, you were saying before bowling is still happening there. Yeah, so you know, we had league last night. The the all the centers are open for open play and for league bowling, which which sure. makes sense. <laughs> so can, can you tell us like, if your league? I've seen some of your videos. Leagues like normal, like you guys are still bowling, cross lane against your same normal team. There's no shifts. There's no anything like that. No, everything's normal. Uh, we got to wear a mask if we're not in the pit. Uh, is is the only rule. They're, we're not clapping hands, which is just absolutely lovely in a league. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we should we should probably keep that as a thing, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, outside of that, like league is it's just league. At first, it was a little bit different, but it's just you know everyone's doing what they're supposed to, and 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 it's great because we're able to support the providers and we're able to be in a bowling alley throwing balls. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I am incredibly jealous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's time to pick up a bowling alley and move it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all moving to Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah, what what they're doing to ye out there is just absolutely uh, brutal. When you look at what they're allowing and what they're not allowing, it just it just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, <laughs> they they crushed uh, a few industries out here. Yeah. Uh, Brad, Matthew Davidson want to know what hand are you in? Is that your right hand you're drinking with or is that your left uh, hand you're drinking with? I, I'm drinking my beer with my left hand. I'm a right-handed bowler. I understood where she was going, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you, you if you drank everyone with your left hand. Just Okay, we'll move it over here now. <laughs> <You're on. laughs> Just to be safe. Yeah, she's a hawk. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, go ahead, go Karen. Ahead. 
Uh, I was just going to say, so kind of moving on from COVID, um, if a lot of people in the bowling world didn't hear, um, long time um, bowling aficionado out of Newfoundland and part of the the countrywide bowling community, um, Mr. Bobby Osborne happened to pass away, uh, lost his fight with cancer. Um, he was battling it for quite a few years to uh, my knowledge and everything like that. So um, obviously we want to give our condolences out to the Newfoundland community and to the rest of the bowling community that shared memories with Bobby. And uh, we'd like to take this moment with you, uh, Brad, to uh, talk about some stories about Bobby and uh, let us know the good times. Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for your thoughts, guys. Uh, obviously, first of all, is his wife and his family, uh, but our bowling community, obviously, absolutely devastated. There's not many industries where you got someone who's either the best or second or third best bowler in the history of a province, uh, is also one of the best guys in the province, it also owns three of the bowling alleys in the province, just the, the combination. Um, when I found out uh, yesterday your mind goes to these funny places, right? With Bob, people people generally have two types of memories, right? On the lanes and in his hotel room having a party. Um, but for me, my first memory were both around my wedding, actually. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tangential away from bowling just for a minute. Uh, the week before my wedding, I was chatting with him one morning, having a coffee, and I said, "Me and Karen are looking for a house." And he went, "Oh, I got a house. Come by that." <laughs> and and we go out to Torbay, which is just outside of St. John's. And he showed me this house, and I'm like, "What do you want for it?" And he gave me whatever market value was for it. And then he said, I'll knock $50,000 off. Um, and we ended up not buying the house off him just because everything was rushed and with the wedding. You don't want to make a bad choice. But um, that was Bob. He, uh, in his mind, it was a friend and he just he just wanted to give it. Um, and then on the day of our wedding, my wife's a bowler. We met through bowling. We obviously wanted to go to the lanes for some pictures. And all we said was, can you close the lanes for an hour for us to get some pictures? Uh, and we go down to the lanes and he's got the rose petals all over the place. He's oh, got en he's got engraved champagne glasses. He's got the champagne there for us. He's after telling who was working at the bowling alley to let us have a few rounds on him. Um, and that's that's the guy, right? Um, that's that that's kind of what what where my mind went um, when I kind of when I kind of thought of him. And those are the things that the people don't get to see when they just see him at these tournaments, right? Um, that that was just him. Mm -hmm. uh, everything um, I've ever heard of Bob is that he's been super, super giving, just like you said. Um, no, tell me if I'm wrong, but after after the 2013 uh, gold medal at the Open, there did he not buy everybody rings? There it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll move it up close. Yeah, uh, you know they're they're Super Bowl S 2013 C5 Open champions with the Harley <laughs> Lanes. Uh, on it. I knew that it get brought up, so I went and fished it out of my sock drawer uh, <laughs> about about twenty minutes ago. And again, never told us anything about it. And then all of a sudden, we show up down to the lanes one day, and he goes, "Oh, I have these for you." And you're like, "Who gets Super Bowl rings for winning a national bowling tournament? Like, why isn't C five doing this? Can we get rid of the watches and, and, go, <laughs> yeah. and go to this?" Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was such a such a huge thing for him, and it was such a huge moment in his career. Because was that was that number fifty seven? His fifty seventh time in nationals at that point. Yeah, I was watching. Dave Post says it in the video, and I think it was fifty seven. It was certainly getting in that range. Because in the end, he was sixty two. 
uh, and I tried to count backwards, and I think that would have been 57. And and for Bob, uh, I've said this to a bunch of people in the past two days, what was great and infuriating about Bob was all he cared about was winning that open men's team. Um, he's this guy with multiple 450s, multiple, like, 100, 1,000, 62 national tournaments, 285 average in league multiple years, and all he cared about was winning that one men's team open thing and like yeah that's great when you're in it with them and that passion but then you're watching this guy bowl who when he turns it on you know finds 1600s for fives finds you know in a switch and you're like where is that and he just didn't care he didn't care about singles bowling he you know he bowled the masters all he wanted to do was win a win that uh open team with all lanes and and, you know, we were lucky enough to manage to pull it off um, after a lot of false starts in my time and even more false starts before then, right? That, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, that's kind of neat too because I guess um, that's a big difference between Newfoundland and here is that your your open teams are based on your centers. Where, uh, correct? Yeah, uh, we've changed the naming. We the NL5 has changed the naming, but it's still very much. So they're Metro 1, Metro 2, but it's still very much attached to the bowling alley. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and here it's, it's definitely a, a zone thing. So I can, I can see you, and, and Masters out there is a zone thing, obviously. It's a provincial-wide uh, yeah. um, qualifying to start with. So I can see why that would, as a business owner and, and somebody who has that much pride in his center, mm. I could see why the Open would be his mm. – his goal because it's it's straight out of his center with with his people and that's uh that's super neat absolutely and all the events too right he did the open the masters yeah you know, yeah Bob. or ip classified he did them all he did everything i think if there was a nationals to play in uh <laughs> he played in it outside of ybc because he didn't start bowling until his late teens um which is almost even more of a kick in the face because how do you get that good if you start bowling when you're 17 or 18 years old like it doesn't make sense <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, isn't that the truth? It, it was crazy because I, I, yeah, I did not know until I went on to the the like the page to remember Bobby O today, right? And uh, that he played the IP. Yeah, like that that guy who's that good, he wanted to try out for the interprovincials, and for for any of us out there, like that, we would never even think about that, right? And he played the IP, and he went to uh, he went to nationals, like two, I, I believe that as well, right? So yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I I was telling you you before, right? He used yeah. to he used to go to a tournament he didn't want to play in and played obligation, and he'd get home and Paul would look at him and go, "You won, didn't you?" And he'd almost <laughs> be like shaking his head in shame that she knew he was spending another week away at a bowling tournament um, that he had no intentions. You know, I don't want to play this, right? Like we all say sometimes, and then yeah. 62, 62 times you end up <laughs> you, you end up away at them. <laughs> 16 yeah. national championships you've been to. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's foolish, really. Yeah, other across the country, how many, who's who's been to more, right? Yeah, that's got him right up there with, uh, with the fourth ever. So that's pretty special. Good on him. Yeah. Yeah, it, absolutely incredible. Yeah. And and now last night, obviously, uh, you were saying, you know, the guys, league bowling, it was good to, you know, you know, get together, had a couple of shots of screech and, and the crew there saying, uh, saying other final little goodbyes. Yeah, it was, uh, our, our, our kind of a pro league is Tuesday nights and, uh, we had it and we got down and at first, you know, it was, it was pretty sad. Everyone kind of did that thing that guys do, you know, you're, you're half teary eyed and you, 
you suck it up and walk away from each other. You pretend like you got, you know, stuff up your nose or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had a moment of silence for him. And, and you know, then people started telling stories, which, you know, Newfoundlanders especially, it's it's kind of how we deal with things. And, and you just hear these stories and to hear a story about Bobby that I've never heard in my life and to hear this person that he did this thing for. And, you know, I got to tell Melissa Manor, obviously, he was a dear friend of mine. Uh, you know, I told her a story from 2006 that she had never heard before. Um, so, uh, you know, it was really great that we had league last night. I think, you know, a few of us wondered whether it happened or not, but I think it was really good that we all got to be down together to kind of share that stuff. I think yeah, we all want to know what the story was. So, uh, <laughs> Cole's notes. Uh, St. Pat's was always our competition. The team won in 2014. They defended our national gold medal. Uh, they had had a rough year and they didn't make the stepladder. Uh, so we're in Cornerbrook and there was two hotels in Cornerbrook. So we were at one and they were at the other. Uh, and for whatever reason, they ended up getting Bob to go drinking with them at their hotel. So it's about 1130 at night and our coach looks at myself and Mike Maloney and says, you got to go get him. So we wander our little arses down to, to get him. And Bobby loved playing the spoons. And he's playing the spoons in this hotel room, and Mike Maloney just keeps taking the spoons on him. <laughs> but Mike could take spoons, and all of a sudden, there was two more spoons. <laughs> so, so eventually, we leave the we leave the hotel with him, and you know we're we're doing that drunk walk back to a hotel, and we hear this clanging, <laughs> and we go, "What is that?" And he takes like ten spoons out of this pocket of his, and he dumps them. <laughs> And then we keep walking, and we hear it again. And we're like, Bobby, do you have more spoons? And then he takes his back pockets, and there's more spoons. And then we keep walking, and finally, one more time, there are still spoons. And, Mike, and Mikey, in his good wisdom, you know, kind of very sternly and probably with some pretty creative words, said, Bobby, any spoons that are on you right now need to go away. <laughs> Yeah, you just uh, make a trail of the spoons. That's how you know you get there, right? I said, I said to Manor, I wonder if I went out there if I could find a spoon still out there because there was a good thirty or forty spoons came out of these pockets. Because I like, think walking your way home, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, did so, how did he get them? Yeah, like, like we were. They were in a ball. They were in a ballroom. The, the, the St. Pat's teams were making some noise, so they made a deal with the hotel that they'd stop making noise in their hotel room if they got a ballroom, Newfoundland. <laughs> um, and so there's spoons everywhere. So once Mike started taking his spoons, I guess his logic was, well, if I get all the spoons in this room, Mike can't take all the spoons on me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Man. So I, I guess um, how did – like? I only knew Bobby at maybe a handful of times and met him, but how did he get into the spoons? And then if you didn't get the spoons, he got into beer bottles. He got into all yeah. that stuff. Didn't he? His, uh, his, his wife and his, his extended friend group, Bobby has a bunch of friend groups outside of bowling. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a very musical group of people. Yeah. Now, Bobby wasn't the most musical guy. He wasn't yeah. a singer, this or that. But, uh, you know, if you were you were there, you were you were being musical. So I don't think any of you were at the 2012 uh, Masters, but we did a pub crawl the second last night uh, of the event, and we ended up at Greensleeves, which is a classic Newfoundland bar, um, and the place is packed. And next thing you know, we look up on the stage, and there's a live band playing at this stage. And who is sitting on a chair in the middle of the stage, backwards, <laughs> not looking at everybody, giving it to her on the spoons? 
is Bobby. And he, he like just, he wasn't even in this world at that moment in time. God love him. <laughs> um, but that's what he played. And if you took the spoons on the beer bottles, he could take bottle caps actually. And he'd like pinch the bottle caps on his fingers. And like, I don't know. I don't know where you get those t- talents. I don't know how you learn that you can do that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, you can see a video of the spoon being played. Yeah, there's there's plenty out there in the past couple of days. Okay, you will, you will. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because awesome. yeah, I remember, yeah, 2013, I came down the hallway and all of a sudden I was like, "What's that noise?" Is like, oh, it's Bobby O playing the spoon. Yeah, and 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 once he got really good going, right, he played yeah. people, right. So yeah. he'd he he he'd just go around and he'd play, you know, my lovely bald head, right? Hey, I'm gonna play on Brad's head for a minute, right? I'm gonna play yeah. on this person, especially yeah. if someone wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. Lots of good yeah. stories, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, big part of the whole community out there. So and everywhere Lots of lots of good comments coming from across the country. That Absolutely. Just, sad to have to go. So um Dexter put together a little video package. Um, we're going to display that on the screen now. Um, our audio listeners obviously won't be able to hear or see it, but we'll uh, we'll probably talk over it. There's probably no music or sound to it, is there, Dexter? Uh, just for a couple spots, but okay. you'll hear it. We'll, we'll talk over it, and maybe Brad can uh, illuminate some uh, insight to the picture. <laughs> there there is a lot. There's probably only like 10 pictures or something like that and a couple of videos. Too. Perfect. See, there's Bobby. Like, look at that. Like, that's that's yeah. terrible. Like, total ladies mad, eh? Yeah, and like, look at that. Like, that mustache is should be in videos. <laughs> 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 this is him. This is an all-star team. This would have been the last. I think it's the last open he he played. I might be wrong on that. Uh, this is a mixed team in 2016. Bob Norai was on this team of provincials. Two guys had to drop off it, and we ended up getting to be on the team. Uh, this is our 2012 team. We won silver at nationals. Uh, we lost to a powerhouse from Hamilton in the finals. Here he is. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like there he's going. Yeah. What a cotton night, Joe. I love it. Oh, I think about, like, <laughs> it's just terrible. <laughs> and like he's totally, he doesn't care about anyone else. And there he is playing the spoons on. I think that's, I don't know who it is. That's, I think it might be Megan. That's definitely Megan's ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so this is, that's 2013. That's him and Murph after we got the medals. Yeah. Oh, we know. Uh, so that's the win. And this was Budweiser was a sponsor. And, of course, Bob had this little smart car, so we did a photo shoot uh, that, that fall. We, we brought it in. I remember we brought yeah. it in, right? Yeah. yeah, so this is the Atlantic. So there was an Atlantic tournament for years and years and years. So I think Bobby's 32 or 33 in this. Uh, and I watched this video like 20 times in the past two days because this is just Bobby all over. I'm like, just like, that amount this, of like, passion, right? Like, I, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And just always like you watch him and like he's five foot nothing, 140 pounds. He takes his arm seven feet over his head, like, and then he beats the tire out of you. It kind of looks a little bit like Carrie style, but uh, less power. <laughs> yeah, just stats. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, one of his nicknames is Whipper, and it's all from that arm. And here he goes For again. Sure. Just, just that pure passion, just a yeah, celebration after a strike, right? Oh, yeah, unreal. yeah. <laughs> like, like, look at that! Like, it's just ridiculous. It's, 
This Randy Earl, Sean Wills, obviously a great guy. And this is us. Once we won the gold medal, we'd made the decision we were going to pick him up. He was so mad at us in the moment for doing this because he wanted to be about the team. And we were like, no, dude, like you're going up on our shoulders right now. It's happening. Yeah, yeah no, uh, this is this is the last picture. It's mm. it's one of my absolute favorite pictures I've seen from all of it. It's mm. perfect. It, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's that's that's why we we were the team that you guys beat that that weekend or, or that yeah. that gold medal game and uh like tim said today in his post um I, there was never a point where we were um heartbroken or upset about it just because of the pure elation that we could see with you guys and with bobby um it was incredible um it was such a incredible experience being there in that moment of 2013 uh, shoved into the corner of one and two. I have no idea. I'll never want, never know why that was a thing. But here we are, just jammed into that corner. It was one of the most loudest experiences I've ever been involved with. And um, seeing uh, seeing how happy you guys were, and and being there for Bob Bob's first win, um, it was, was amazing. It, it was it, so cool. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you guys ever been to Holiday uh, Carrier DB before, but Holidays it's a tight little venue. Oh man! Um, and it's a tight little venue. It's probably I, I would like to say there's probably maybe double the size of the walkway behind Collingwood. It was Collingwood like that, mm-hmm. and uh, it was so packed in there that uh, um, that it was up the stairwell back all the way to the back way and around the front. And they were running through so much beer, it was warm. Like it was piss warm, and and people were just drinking warm beer out of the case, and uh, yeah. it was just absolutely just nuts in there. It was, um, and all I remember was they they stuck us in one and two. I still got to talk to Sheila why she did that, but um, <laughs> on one and two, we were bowling one and two on a gold medal match. There was a two-three game on it before. My brother was saying who it was. Yeah. It was two out of. It wasn't any Newfoundland teams. It probably yeah. had the biggest fan base of yeah. any stepladder game before because everyone got there and wanted to be down by by one and two. Like it, yeah, it was. It, it was it was absolutely crazy, and so the whole place was packed, and nobody could see anything over there. And uh, and I just remember like and I got pulled that game. I can remember that because that was that bad. That and, seems about uh, right. And, <laughs> and the ball returns and and everything was just shaking in there, and it was just crazy. And I remember Justin Sullivan just absolutely hammering the lockers behind one and two, and he's going meathead meathead Zello over there, just going hardcore <laughs> on it like this. And it, it had nothing to do with anything because it, it was already over, right? But um, it it was just a ruckus in there, and it was crazy. And all I remember. Uh, at the end was Schultz and, and uh, I think Brad going ball for ball at the end, I think. Yeah, right? yeah Schultz, yeah, we, we, we got up in 10 and Schultz, he said, let's go for ball for ball. One of my yeah. favorite parts about that is, is is me and my dad and my brother were talking about this today, is Bobby got yeah. pulled at Provincials that year in the finals. Yeah. yeah, Andy got pulled at Nationals in the finals. He was terrible. He was 132 in the eighth. Um, and he and I often, you know, Cal White was our coach in the door lineup, but we, you know, like you do at our level. And I remember he got up and he, he missed in the eighth or whatever, and we were just kind of like, yeah, like this is a, a, a it. And that would bother some guys, right, because it just would, because you want to perform in that moment. And and it just so didn't matter to him, and it never, ever mattered to him. He couldn't it, – it, it didn't matter whether he was the guy who won th- through the 130 or Adam Lohman who threw the 340 for us. Uh, he wanted that gold medal, and he – he just he just was so thrilled to have it, um, and and that day it was just 
we we always go to the room for the few drinks beforehand and we got there and it was just so quiet um and we just really weren't talking and the nerves were were really hitting and and he just he almost i want to say it's like we knew obviously you were a powerhouse team you know with the, uh, the two Wiseman's and schultz and brett mapstone and sean smith and i think remo nestor was the other guy um but like we just knew that 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 it was meant to be you know me bobby and mike maloney were the guys who were always on the team and then you know that year we had murphy and loman and billy woods with us and we just we just couldn't see losing twice in that house, you know. It, Dex and Tim, you'd obviously get it. You, you yes, couldn't imagine yep. someone coming into Sherwood and taking two games on you to take a to take a gold medal. Yeah, and that's that was kind of the way it was. Um, and I, the best part about that was 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 Bobby won, and the first thing he did was he looked at us and said, "The bar's open. Like there's no money going <laughs> into the bar. The bar's just open. You, if you're drinking, go go get it now." <laughs> no, no, that was your home lanes too. Yeah. yeah, well, he owns it. Like literally, he ended up owning three lanes. Your home lanes, and you got a chance to win a national title at your home lanes, and you guys qualified first. Uh, yeah, we qualified first. Yeah, yeah, so we. Uh, nice. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah, and did you win the first game or second? Yeah, first game. Yeah, first. we had two guys. Our two three bowlers uh, got out on on pretty big runs. Um, yeah. which is when the bowling alley got ridiculous. Like there was a game on five and six and the bowlers were literally having to stop. Um, and you, you, you know, you're prepping for that noise when you're in those big games, but it was, it was, uh, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was a totally, mm-hmm. it was, it was just too much almost. Um, yeah. 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 I, I think the Manitoba ladies were on, on five and six playing against yeah. Alberta ladies. I think yeah. at that point, right. Yeah. It, it was it was absolutely it was like it was a ruckus. It was absolutely yeah. the coolest experience I've ever had. I, I know we lost, um, but it was like I said in our in my post today. It was uh, it was probably the it was probably the coolest experience, and obviously it it showed us it showed us other things in life. There was more important things, right? And um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, for me, one more story on it is uh, is I'm really great at bowling math, and Bobby is absolutely terrible at bowling math. Um, so I would always tell Bobby, I'd always be the person like, Hey, Bobby, you need this or Bobby, you need this or Bobby, you need that. And God love Andrew Murphy, Andrew Murphy in the 10th frame. Bobby always wanted to know when it's mathematically over, right? Not, and Andrew Murphy turned around after like the second bowler and went like, it's done. And Bobby just as plain as day went, Brad's going to tell us when it's done. (laughs) And like, and like two, two balls later, I like put my arm around him and I was like, it's done. And he looked at Andrew and was like, it's done now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's a, I like this, Ryan. You, you say you've got a two and a half minute video of the finish here. You can barely hear anything. That'd be awesome if you could figure out a way to, to send that to Gary or to upload that or yeah. maybe later on or just on uh, – you know, on Facebook or somewhere later on, if we can figure out a way to get that, that'd be awesome to see. Yeah. That's my brother. So I'll, I, I'll share it widely if he gets it up. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll definitely yeah. share that. Yeah. yeah. Well, good stuff on Bobby. I mean, um, a lot of, a lot of good stories, a lot of good memories, uh, people across the country. Yeah. So, so good on you guys for having a toast last night. Good on Bobby for living a heck of a good life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit though. Let's go back to some, some Brad Glenn stuff. Hey, let's, uh, let's find out a little bit more. Um, and that's good to hear Brian get that up in the memory group. Um, Brad, where did, where did five pin bowling start for you? Let's go back. 
Uh, it's it, it started with an older brother who went bowling with some buddies. Um, I'm not from St. John's. I'm from Carabineer, small town. I had a six-lane house. My brother was in grade six, and he had some buddies who were pretty good bowlers at the time. And he went to YBC one week, and therefore the next week uh, I went to YBC. Uh, I played out there. I was lucky enough, me and my brother, the first Nationals I went to was in 96 on a junior boys team with my brother. Uh, and, and bowling was so fun back then because we had no clue. We were playing provincials that year, and it was still a projector score machine. And we had no idea checking to see whether we were up, whether we were down. My dad was coaching us that day because our coach had had someone die in his family or something. And he didn't know any better because he didn't know bowling. And we threw these two monster last games. And, like, we're sitting at the end of the tournament. You know, nowadays, I'm like, how ridiculous is this? Um, And we didn't know we won because we didn't understand the concept of going, oh, let's add these games together and then add this last game together. And we will have the final standings. So literally when they announced that we won, it was that surprising. Um, So my YBC career was mostly out of there. I moved into St. John's when I was in grade 11 uh, and uh, had some, you know, provincial level success here. I won a couple senior boys singles, went away on a senior boys team, went away on a youth challenge. Um, But I really struggled to break through uh, nationally. I, I've got like, I think it's seven or eight fourth place finishes in nationals. And a lot of them were, were early on in the career, which was pretty tough. Uh, the funny thing is, is there was no such thing as the open in Carboneer. Uh, so I didn't know what the open was. And then even when I moved to St. John's, I bowled a Plaza bowl, which wasn't a member of NL five at the time. So I was even in St. John's. I mean, my last couple of years, while we see, I was a two sixty five to two seventy bowler. And I had no idea there was this tournament for me to go to. Uh, it was only like the second half of my last year senior um, that had happened. And honestly, um, thinking of Bob now, it's kind of funny because it, it probably made more sense for me to end up at St. Pat's Lanes, which was our competition for the decade. Uh, we kind of did stuff. Uh, but some things happened my last year at YBC that made me go, I'm not going with those guys. And I ended up down to Holiday Lanes and, and ended up meeting this 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 Bob Osborne as a proprietor. Yeah. Um so my early years were, I was good, but I didn't know how to win. <laughs> um, so we have a pro league. We don't have draft leagues. We have a pro league. And I actually didn't, I looked at Bobby when I first went down to his lanes. And I said, I'm not bowling on a team in the pro league till you put me on your team. Um, <laughs> and now that, I'm thir- now that I'm 36, I'm like, what a dick thing for a 19-year-old to say to this 45-year-old man. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. seriously. <laughs> um, and... But God love him. It took three years, but he eventually put me on his pro league team because uh, my big struggle was throwing shots when it mattered. And, and you know, those nerves you get when you get up. And Bobby is is the man for that. And I knew that was the hole in my game that I needed kind of filled. Um, and that's kind of that, – that, that's that's how I got into bowling. But I was a 19-year-old who was a really, really good bowler and had no idea what the open was, right? And there's a lot of bowlers out there like that, unfortunately. Do you remember uh, Mark Johnstone? I was talking to him today, and he had said that YBC Nationals 2000 senior bowlers, and it was quite unique because Johnny at the time wasn't very well known. Yeah. And he had beat uh, Matt Schultz here yeah. in uh, Alberta. Yeah. And you had uh, beat Lee Escott there in Newfoundland, which at yeah. the time were the two big guys in the YBC yeah. all time great. So do you remember do you remember winning that one and going to nationals as YBC Mark had said? I do. I threw a one thirty three the first game of provincials. <laughs> and I had this guy, Stephen Crawford, it was coaching it was only five games. And this guy, Stephen Crawford, who was probably only twenty three or twenty four, but he was like little 
brick shit house, shit brick house, whatever the phrase is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Lee had thrown like a 280 ad or whatever. And like, Stephen basically threatened me, like, if you don't bowl well, like, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, that was the extent of the motivational speech. Um, <laughs> and it worked. And I can remember uh, it was it was not in my lanes. My mom and dad were there, and this girl who had gone away bowling with in 1996 to a Nationals was there. And they were literally the only three people in the bowling alley cheering for me. Um, and I actually, I went on a five-bagger. I struck five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and I got up in the 10th, uh, and Stephen looked at me. And he said, throw a good shot. And I was like, oh, I think that means like, like throw a good shot. Like <laughs> I got this and I got up and I think I left a corner. It definitely wasn't a strike. I think I left a corner and I came back and I didn't turn around at that point in time. I like to just stay. And I can remember he just grabbed me and I was like, holy fuck. I just beat Lee Scott, which for the Newfoundland bowling world at that time was, yeah. was yeah. everything. So not only did I beat Lee Scott, I had a 133 in beat Lee. <laughs> um, and then I, then I went to that nationals, uh, Matt Taransky, uh, was boarded with me, a guy, Matt Stewart from Manitoba boarded with me and the guy from Northern Ontario, actually one senior boys boarded with me. That was one of my fourth place finishes. Uh, actually I didn't deserve anything. I think I had the lowest average in the tournament and just managed to squeak out wins. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, I mean, we used to have billets, right? You had to- yeah. We, we, we had a great time and, and. Uh, I got a bit of a temper. Uh, I got a pretty control now, but at 17 or 16, I had no control of it. And the Billa family, uh, Matt Taransky won junior boys, uh, the senior boy who won, won, and Matt Stewart finished second. So I was the only guy in the house who didn't win, and they made me a Mr. Congeniality medal. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and now I'm like, that was a little passive aggressive, I think, <laughs> but totally well-meaning and lovely. Yeah. Um, but I still have the Mr. Congeniality medal with all my bowling medals. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. I think mm. a lot of us had a, a temper back in the day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know I definitely did. I've busted a knuckle at nationals and been yeah, I, by my wife for divorce. Yeah. And like, that, 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 I got my first national warning that year. I threw seven straight corners in a game against the guy who finished third. And uh, the – the computer system took the brunt of it in like the sixth or seventh frame of it. <laughs> yeah, we could probably have a good uh, full podcast about best yeah. blow ups. Right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Something that we pretty That actually was wicked. We'd have to get Herbert back on here. Though. I was about to say, Mike Herbert would have to be on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still officially don't know who put the hole in the third bowl bathroom at the. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I, we know. We know now. <laughs> Do you know officially know? <laughs> oh, it, it's Sean Smith for sure. I'm calling him out. Hi, Sean. How are you? <laughs> Sean's not on this one. Don't worry. No. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. So then, so then Brad, um, obviously you started getting into the Open. Where did that uh, start taking you into the Open years early on? Obviously you bowled out of your bowling center. Did you play yeah. that holiday all the time? I always played out of holiday. Uh, it's only after I moved home from Newfoundland. I played not out of holiday once for, you know, lots of bullshit reasons. Now do you think about it? Um, but I bowled out of holiday. My first year, I actually didn't qualify, um, which was pretty tough for the ego when you're this kid who thinks you're, you're all that. And honestly, it's probably the, one of the best things that ever happened. I made men's teams in 05, 06, and 07. We went fourth, fourth, third. Uh, we just could not win a game in the, in the step ladder. We couldn't get over the snide. Um, really, really strong teams. Some, like... 
some great bowlers. In 2005, we threw a 14-50 in the 3-4 game against BC. BC beat us. Uh, BC actually that year went all the way to the finals, and uh, Kelly Gernkos had a real tough goal. He got up in the 10th and Lawrence Faubert, uh three-baggered on him, and uh, Kelly whiffed twice on a It was a punch or a chop. Um, and so those are some of the early memories. A great memories in 08. I made a mixed team with my wife. Um, and it's the only time I threw a shot to win a national tournament or a provincial tournament, I should say. Uh, Bobby got up. Bobby and him were playing the men's team finals on 9 and 10, and we were down so much in the mixed first game that the boys went in to have a drink and because they, they had won, and they were going to come out and watch our double life game. But the anchor bowler for the other team got up and went five hole, uh, and I went bang, bang, and 10 and 11. Uh, and all of a sudden, we were like, holy shit, we just won. So winning the provincials with my wife was uh, pretty cool. I think we qualified fifth at nationals. We just missed the stepladder. We had some struggles that week. Um, Who would have been so, on your teams in some of those 05, 06? you remember some of the, the names there? Oh, on our teams? Yeah. Like who are oh, some my of God. So, so me, Bob, and Mike were on 05 and 06. Me, Bob, Mike Maloney. 05 was me, Bob, Mike Maloney, Colin Smith, Scott Thurston, Tony Redman. Uh, on paper, outside of the Alberta team in 2017, that's probably the best on-paper team I've ever played on. Okay. Every guy on that team probably averaged 280 in their life at least once in the league. Nice. Um, I was the rookie. I ended up getting benched halfway through the last day. Um, because I was terrible. <laughs> um, and, and now that I'm like, yeah, I'd put me on the bench too and play those other guys. Oh, uh, six was me, Bobby and Mike and Tony again, uh, guy, Steve Walsh and Terry butcher. who was actually a great boulder from PEI who kind of disappeared from the world. Uh, was on it. We played at home that year, central Alberta lost in the finals to Nova Scotia that year. Daryl Bailey played out of Nova Scotia. They had three guys make the all-star team, I think. Yeah. Um, Oh, seven was me, Bobby, uh, Mel Osmond, former C5 president, Steve Peddle, a guy, Ken Collins. And now I feel bad because I'm forgetting who the other person on the team was. That's not like me. Me, uh, me. No, Mike didn't make it. Mike was on the next team. Me, Bobby, Mel, Tony, Kenny Collins, Steve Peddle. I had it. Me, Bobby, Tony Redman. Um, so those were all great things. The weird thing was is not a lot of guys came out in my age range in YBC. Uh, so I was the young guy even up to like 26 or 27. Uh, and that there was no one who was around me bowling anywhere. Like Lee was always the young guy at St. Pat's, even though he was getting to be 28, 29 at those times. And I was still the young guy at holiday um, up until kind of the 2010s kind of stuff. Nice. That's crazy. <laughs> 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 Just rattling off names. I can't remember how many teams I've made. Like I have no clue. <laughs> I actually had a Brad. I actually opened up the C five website and you were rattling them off faster as I was opening up teams. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's got nothing. I mean, what what would be get scary if you asked me for shots that I remember for the tournament and I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could do it. The 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 War. I remember watching the Lawrence National win. I think in oh five. Mm-hmm. It was the Bonnie Dune, wasn't it, Daryl? It, it was a Bonnie Dune. Yep. When Daryl, yeah. when, when, when he threw the three strikes in a row to fit the to, the clinch of nationals. Yeah, that, that was pretty clutch. I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was quite something. Yeah. Okay, that we're going to Scott Barber because he's had a couple of really good comments and wishing yeah. you well and all that stuff. And Scotty's got to take off now and go hit the gym. He's got to do yeah. his third workout of the day. So. <laughs> 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 we got to do a little, little, little hey, Scotty, there. So yeah, he's, uh, he's pushing you well. Uh, and then uh, and then keep going. So we I think we got to 2010. We're ready to keep going in the last decade of some, so, of, your, uh, some of your open days and some of your open nationals. I mean, I think we read a stat. How many how many 
times if you won provincials and, and gone to a nationals. And very so it's exciting. funny. Me, me and my brother debated this today. I think we agreed, and Ron, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think we agreed. I have 26 provincial wins and 28 national appearances. Uh, in 2012, uh, I qualified seven for the Masters, uh, and a guy had some issues in getting suspended uh, by bowling, which he should have been. And I got to go on the team. And I actually, two times I got teams that I didn't win, I got I got medals out of. We went and we finished second at the Masters uh, to a powerhouse Ontario team. Uh, that was a great year for me. Two guys I always wanted to play with were Lee Escott and Dave Han Jr. And I got to play with both of them. Um, There's a couple bucket list guys I've gotten to play with, luckily, in my career. Um, and uh, 2016, I... Uh, me and Bobby got cleaned out by Paradise Lane. Shane's listening to this right now, and it's killer to say. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 don't, we don't know who Shane is. Mike Upshaw, who's a dear buddy of mine, um, I'm actually this, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is the best man mug from his wedding or someone else's, but I was, I was Mike's best man. He won the singles. And he was on our mixed team because we could buy into our, our open single. So he couldn't go. So Bobby knew the day of the open he was going. I was in my office at school at that point in time. I wasn't teaching. I was kind of in a middle mid position uh, in like the middle of May. And my phone rings and it's Bobby. And I'm like, what's going on? And he, I call him. And he goes, do you want to go to nationals? And I went, fuck off. And I was like, oh, shit, my door is open. <laughs> so I closed my office door and I'm like, well, it's time to go. And, and, and tough luck, Tony Redmond's business that had some issues and, and Tony just couldn't go. So me and Bobby went up uh, that year and we got a second to uh, Schultze, Chris Hislap, Rose Gigliok. I think Michelle Hoyle was on the team. Oh, yeah. uh, Mike LaCourcier was on it. Both teams were absolutely stacked to the nines. Uh, but so 2010, I uh, – I wasn't going to play, and I played. Me and Bob played on a mixed team. We actually lost in the stepladder finals of provincials, not finals, semifinals, to my wife's team, uh, which, you know, was super fun. Uh, moving on. Uh, 20 <laughs> yeah. No hard feelings there. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. lost to her instead of you beating her, I guess, maybe, too. No, not at all. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, 2011, I took a year off. Uh 2012, I wasn't going to play, but funny, funny story. We bowl Tuesday nights, but we populate our league with a few Friday nights, and obviously the beverages flow on those Friday nights. So I ended up uh, at a Friday night in 2012 soaking my bowling shoe. So I switched to two house shoes, and I got up in 10th and, like, threw a terrible ball and, like, fell on my ass. Uh, and and uh, someone on the other team um, – <laughs> made a quip and they were a St. Pat's bowler and you're drunk and they're drunk and therefore stupidity ensued. And I walked over to Bobby and I said, saw my name up for the open. <laughs> and he was like, what? I was like, before I sober up and rethink this, saw yeah. me up for the open. Cause my plan was kind of to, to take off a, a bit of time for bowling and just focus on teaching, focus on that sort of thing. So in 2012, kind of the second generation of guys who played with me, Bobby and Mike, uh, went away and me, Bob, Andrew Murphy, Mike, uh, Kenny Byrne and Justin Sullivan uh, went up. Uh, we actually kind of blew double life against a stacked Hamilton team. Hamilton teams was Jeff Young, Mitch Davies, Mark Goulet, Eric Milne. Uh, I'm going to get the other two guys wrong, so I won't say yeah. it. Yeah, and we yeah we, we just blew double life. Uh, they beat us the second or third last game of the tournament, then they won their last two games, and we gave them away. 
Um, and then we lost the finals to them the next day. We beat Quebec in the two, three game and they just kind of wiped the floor with us, but they, they, they deserved to win that year. That's the last time I punched something. Actually, that's when my temper got better. Uh, Perry lanes in, uh, Gatineau had this like soft aluminum looking siding. And I was like, well, I can punch this. Um, <laughs> the cinder block behind the soft aluminum siding was, yeah. was less fun. So I ended up bowling the masters nationals that year with a hand that, uh, so that's the last time I punched something in a bowling alley. I learned my lesson at the age of whatever that was, 28 or 29, I guess. Okay. And then, then it's 2013. That's uh, then, then we hit the good stuff. <laughs> so uh, I see uh, Ryan said he posted. I've already got that, that video loaded up here. Um, so if you guys you wanted. Share, did you yeah. share your audio this yeah. time, Dexter? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> does it, how does it how do that? Your brother even yeah. said about after the semifinal loss in 2010. <laughs> You had a couple of pops, and then you went and joined the basketball provincials. He says, I'm out. Let's go play basketball. Now. That's actually exactly how it happened. I was at the bowling alley, and I was kind of like, fuck this. I just don't want to be here watching other people play. <laughs> after, after, yeah. after, after my wife's team finished her playing in the finals. <laughs> Get that in there. Um, and I did. I was like, okay, let's go play basketball now. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure you were real helpful on the basketball court that day. I was actually. There was a cop on the other team who was really good, and this guy looked at me and said, "Go guard him and don't let him score." And I yeah. remember the, the cop. The cop kept chirping me. He was like, "You look so tired." I was like, "I am tired, but you aren't scoring right now." But I'm awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, good story. Those were the yeah. other two players on the team from uh, Southern Ontario. There, Brad. I, I knew John. I couldn't think of John Conti. I knew it was a Hall of Famer from uh, from Hamilton, and I thought it was one of the Talbots. I know Martin coached that team at Provincials. That team went undefeated at Provincials, um, actually in Ontario, which is just ridiculous to think about. Yeah, that's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, Jack, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll share this video here. Um, hopefully, Dexter shared his audio this time. <laughs> Well, there was only audio for like one portion, like one part of the last video. So, okay. So, just tell me again, Brad. What this is the semifinal from? Or no, this is this is, is this is this is us winning the gold in 2013. So this is this okay. is just mayhem. So get ready for chaos. You may oh, turn this off like two seconds in. Holiday Lanes 2013 men's final between Newfoundland men's and Alberta men's. Yeah. Correct. You, who's the, who's the guys on the men's team again? Uh, uh, we are um, Mike Maloney, Adam Loman, Andrew Murphy, Braglin, Bob Osborne, Billy Woods, Coach Cal White. Uh, they are Dex and Tim, uh, Matty Schultz, Sean Smith, Brett Matstone, Remo Nestor, and I think Casey coached you that year, right? Casey coached you, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, this is the tenth. So it's, all is nope. done now. We we won by 140 or so. So so all is pretty much done. And Bobby's up front there. Yeah, this is me talking to Bobby about it being done or not done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still look at the leagues one and two. can't hear anything like, look at that well here's the worst thing there's guys who love one and two because there's a bunch of 450s on it I hate them I hate those right. lanes I hate, and I hate that I had my gold medal on them because you say you don't like them and people kind of bitch at you <laughs> it won't let you me didn't, you didn't get it yeah I They're will uh, yeah. Yeah. I will pull it up here yeah yeah yeah, That's you know cool. you good job. Yeah. yeah. There's uh yeah, there's some there's some great moments and you guys were so gracious. I mean, I played Maddie for a long time. Um and for me, Maddie's my age, but in a lot of ways he was always that guy I looked to like I wanted to be 
as good as that, right? You want to you want you, you want to have that. That Dex will know when I talk about 2017, right? Having that fist pump, that Matty Schultz turn and and pump. So our goal was always whenever we played Edmonton was that who, me or Bobby, whoever was on bottom, was just going to hold on to to Matty, stay within 20 or 30 pins of Matty, and and everyone else do the job to the other four guys. Uh, so for me that was that was pretty special and you guys were so great and, and here's maddie now clearly leaning into me saying let's throw the same time uh that's billy woods up throwing it was another great story you could spend the whole podcast on billy who lost an arm isn't that um, the truth yeah in a, in a farming accident and here we are deciding to to get right, up and throw as we're as we're kind of getting it yeah and there's my bald head like you gotta you gotta love being bald and you just you just gotta live with it in these videos don't you oh yeah <laughs> that's a bowling trait yeah <laughs> oh so you throw at the same time nice work yeah he, he leaned into me and he said do you want to and i was like you know what i'd absolutely love to yeah that's awesome yeah pretty cool and there's the boys yeah. giving the giving the thing well that's good yeah. So I want to know how was the champions room after that for the, the pregame? It was, I'm, I'm going to tell a story that not a ton of people know. Um, so that I write little stupid notes to myself at bowling tournaments. I'm a bit of a head case when it comes to bowling. Uh, um, and I wrote notes to myself all the time. And Bobby always used to make fun of my notes. Um, so that year I wrote a note each day. I have my notes and I'm actually very concerned about where another note is right now. So (laughs) here's my day one note, stay in the moment and feed the wolf day two notes, one game at a time and feed the wolf day three notes, take nothing for granted and feed the wolf day four notes, enjoy the moment, feed the wolf. And to kind of keep the boys loose, you know, we'd get tight and I'd show them the notes that they could basically make fun of me for a few minutes, um, at some point in time in the day. But what I did and Tim and Dex forgive me was we're sitting in Bobby's (laughs) room that day. And I was convinced, like, that we were just weren't losing. Like, this was just not happening. And I go back in time to 2005 when that BC team beat us with the 1450. Me and Bobby and Mikey Maloney roomed together. And after that day, me and Mikey told him, Bobby, we're going to get you this. We are going to get this gold medal. We are going to handle it. And it took eight years. So I'm sitting in that room before we go to bowl. And it's a holiday in little note. And I wrote a note to Bobby. And I put it in his shoe. And no one had any idea this note was there. So we win. I go home to shower and get cleaned up before we go celebrate. My phone rings. And I was like, yes, he's got us. And he goes, when did you put that there? I said this morning before we left. And the note said, we did it. Um, <laughs> and, he cool. went, and he went, what if we lost? I said, well, I certainly would have been the first person in that hotel room if we had lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Bobby actually had a great, uh, there's a great mural of that whole event down at Holiday. And that that's the only one of these that I don't have because he kept it. Um, and I just, uh, I thought about that note today. So we, uh, we actually, we were great at losing. We would drink the, the face off the place. Uh, but that afternoon, we got back to Bobby's hotel room, and Bobby said, we're done drinking. And we were like, what? And he said, we need to remember getting the medals. <laughs> <laughs> so all the Newfoundland contingent shows up to party with us at like 3.30 or 4 o'clock, and we're like, like you know, the holiest people in the world sitting down watching TV. <laughs> and then we got to the champion's room, and all hand, Al Hong and Al, if you're watching, you know why, cool, you're going to have to live with this one. Al Hahn got mad at us because he told us we were abusing the how many drinks yeah. you could have in the champion's room thing. Yeah. Um, 
I'm pretty sure, Bobby, it might have been Andrew Murphy, because Andrew Murphy certainly could let people know what he thinks of him. Uh, someone expressed their feelings to that about Al and kind of said, if you're going to be like that, we'll just lay the money down on the bar and, and we'll just take care of it. Yeah. Um, and we had a great time. The BC women won. Meg Galicano was here, right? And she was a pickup for that team. Uh and it was just, it was ridiculous. Victor Faubert, who's like the most sensibly human being in the world, was in the room and was like, what, what is this? Who are these people right and, and, and Victor doesn't drink. Yeah, no. Yeah, right, you know. Uh, and Victor ends up having to sit with us at the table. And I think I was right next to Victor. And like, Victor, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I definitely talked your ear. Absolutely. Uh, um, but the victory room he Bob always talked about that because he won in 97 as a coach, but he never counted it, uh, which, which, you know, lots of guys have different opinions. It was like the one year he didn't make a team and he goes and coaches a team and, and they win, but he just didn't feel like that was the same. And you know what? Maybe I'd feel the same way if it was my first. Um, and he always, every year was like, you just want to get in that room. He's like, they got free booze, right? Like, yeah. like, like Bobby needed free booze. First of all, <laughs> um, and, uh, we just kind of uh, – we, we had a time in there, and we do remember getting the medal. I do remember it. After that, definitely gets sketchy. <laughs> um, but, but the great part about that year was it was almost a given. Um, we had a great run. Those St. Pat's teams we played provincially were powerhouses, as evidenced by the fact they went 1-2014. In 2012 and 2013, in games that mattered at provincials, they didn't beat us once. They beat us the last game of the round robin both years, but we had double life locked up and these teams were absolutely stacked and we just had their number. Um, and then prevent nationals were out of paradise and we, uh, we didn't blow games. We, we always blew these tournaments by just blowing games. Um, you know, you, you, a team gets out on the shoot on you and they got no, like we, I, I looked at our oh, frig, man. I looked at our mixed competition in 2016 and we lost double life to Schultze and, and Mikey and him by like eight or nine points. And on the first day, we lost two straight games to no, Northwest Territories and Nova Scotia, right? Yeah. And due respects to those provinces, uh, me and Bobby on a mixed team together with KO, who made the all-star team, should not be losing to those teams. And that year, we managed to avoid that hiccup. John Walsh, obviously two-time national champion. We played PEI one game. And PEI got out of the shootout. So I'm playing John, who I got a huge amount. My brother just wrote, tell the PEI story. Who I, Me and John Walsh, I just have a huge amount of respect for him. Um, and we're playing PEI, and we got no life, and PEI's hanging with us, and I get pissed. And I go on like a five-bagger against John Walsh. And on like the third one, I do a knee slide. And like not a little one, like it was, it was big. And I come back, and there's two thoughts in my head. One, I just really disrespected a guy I really like. And two, did I just piss off a guy who's now going to absolutely bomb this on me? And I, I, like, I went over to John in the middle of the game, and whether John did this to be a good guy or whether he just didn't want to bowl anymore, John took himself out of the game like the next frame. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and like, I, was, I was burying him pretty good. But we didn't manage to blow a game in 2013 like we usually did. I can remember Andrew Murphy saved a game for us against either Northern Ontario or BC. Uh, I pulled a game out against Kevin Clark in the 10th on one and two in Paradise. And we were so bad for blowing those games we shouldn't blow. And that year we didn't do it. Uh, Dex and Tim, he threw a monster in the 2-3 game against whoever he played. It was in Northern Ontario or Quebec. 
It was, it was Quebec. Quebec. It was Quebec. And I got in the bowling alley. I was like, just yeah. keep throwing strikes, boys. Get all well, those you know, strikes out of me. Out in Alberta, we believe in 8-0 is a bad omen, right? And we went 8-0, and I'm like, son of a bitch, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like, mm. yeah. <laughs> and you know the yeah. thing is? We, when we played holiday, we, we never played the whole event. We never played holiday. <laughs> At all, we, we always first... we, we play paradise, and then we played yeah. the finals at a different center. So, yeah, and we're like, uh, it's it's kind of writing on the wall a little bit, but yeah. you know, you tr you still try your best, right? Um, so, Brad, you never talked about 2017. How did you enjoy playing up in GP? <laughs> uh, Grand Prairie was terrible. It was awful. I had a great time. Oh my god, Shelby Crest told some of the funniest stories of my life. Oh. So yeah. I, I would start drinking it like, I mean, Carrie, you were there. I mean, you know, I had some rough nights of that year, right? Because, yeah. I mean, first of all, the bowling alley was brutal. Like, was Mike so Tweedy hard. Mike yeah. Tweedy ends up grabbing a judge of play because the judge of play ends up trying to grab one of his bowlers. Like, it was it was a gang show. Uh, so, the bow, so the bowling was awful. But, again, Gino, who's – Gino's been a great guy to me in my career. Gino, me, 09, I, uh, I blew a stepladder game at the National Singles and the Open went five pit against John Walsh, actually. Um, and I get back to the hotel and Gino is waiting there or no, he wasn't at the hotel. He, I, I'd walked out of the bowling alley and I came back in the bowling alley and Gino stopped me and kind of had one of those conversations that in the moment you just don't want to listen to, uh, <laughs> yeah. right? which Gino can do sometimes, <laughs> but looking back on it, like what did the hell did Gino Zebarth care about his 25 year old from Newfoundland and having a tough go? So playing with Gino was huge for me. Uh, Shelby's one of these guys who always, whenever he played, he was dominant. He just didn't play a lot. Uh, you know, me and Carrie had played uh, the year before at, at the Masters. So even though we sucked and were terrible and, like, the bowling itself was just – I mean, I'm pretty sure the last game when we were out of it, I made, like, a 17-board adjustment and was like, oh – I found my line super. <laughs> it was really great to see another experience. Yeah. Alberta's the Cadillac of bowling provinces. Do respect every other province. Uh, you always manage to do everything right. Uh, and it was, I mean, you do pictures at provincials. You do like, it was, it was so cool to see uh, the, the bowling community in central and in, in Alberta in general are so welcoming to me. I mean, I had a fish that lived until we moved home that I had to carry around that stupid bowling tournament. <laughs> no, you, because you moved to Alberta for, you know, a couple of years there, right? I moved for a year. My wife's family lives in Edmonton and we decided to give it a shot and move to, to Red Deer, honestly, only for, we had a second kid, uh, yeah. not planned and not, not planned, but just not planned. Uh, yeah. we, we decided to move home. So we lived in Red Deer for that year, which was amazing. It was, we loved Red Deer. It was fantastic. Right. Yeah. Now, so that's a good little – you had played the Masters too. Um, yeah. I want to get into Alberta. You played Masters here for Alberta. Uh, was that 2017 you played? Yeah, it was. And that was – when I moved up, I had two goals. One was to do well in the cash tournaments. And I, I played well in Regina, but besides that, the cash tournaments were a bit of flop for me. I made 40 in uh, Paradise. I missed a cup by like 20 in uh, at uh, TPC. And I made the the thirty twos in at Heritage, but I just I just struggle at them, right? You got to learn to play those tournaments as as you all know better than anyone. Um, and the other goal was to make the Masters team, right? You, the the teams you guys in Southern Ontario put together, we just unless we get every guy who can play to come out, um, we're just not going to compete. Now I I wanted to show I could make that, and I I wanted to play. Uh, uh, you know, there, there there were some guys. Matty Schultz is another bucket list guy with Lee Escott and Dave Jr., who I mentioned earlier. 
I wanted to play with Maddie. Uh, the first set was hilarious. It was at Bonnie Dune. I threw like a twenty three fifty and finished like seventh. And I was like, "Where am I? At? Where where am I after moving? Like, what is this?" And you're it's this sea of blue. And uh, I think John Stone or Aaron had told me like, "You got to wear a master shirt." And I'm there. And of course, what's Newfoundland's freaking color? Red. Yeah. <laughs> so this first set in Bonnie Dune, I'm in this red shirt, and there's just a sea of blue, and I'm like, what is this? Harvey Polks, I think, was either on the lane with me or on the lane next to me, and I met him a couple times fast, and he was great to me that day. Um, and I can remember the last day qualifying for that. It was at a really tough house in Calgary. It's got lanes on both sides. Top player. And, and, and there, was, there wasn't many people who had a chance, and I needed to match a 2063 to count. Um, and I threw like a 900 the first four and Dex, you were on the lane with me and I got like totally in my head. And when I get in my head, it can either go great or it can go bad. And I popped like a 1250 or like a 1200 ish for the last four to have it not count by five. And Eric Christensen, uh, was over trying to catch me and ended up not catching me by 14. Um, and that for me, Freddie Toffelmeyer, another Easterner. Uh, we were leaving the bowling alley that day after we did all the BS that you got to do to straighten away. <laughs> Freddie Toffelmeyer came up to me and was like, you know, uh, I bet you Alberta never thought there'd be a guy from Nova Scotia and a guy from Newfoundland on the same Masters team <laughs> representing them. And then, of course, Freddie went yep. to Nationals and was just a buzzsaw. <laughs> yeah, he was incredible. So then you guys went to Nationals. Where was Nationals that year for you guys? Regina. Regina. And so who was on that team? Let's uh, – Let's there. Dex, you got it? Uh, so it was me, you, Freddie, Matt, and Brad Wilton. Brad Wilton, okay. Yeah. And, and it, plowed through the teams, or how did the Nationals go? It, it was it was the biggest emotional roller coaster of a tournament that you could ever imagine. Yeah. It was uh, it was crazy because so much went on. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's uh, yeah, uh, my relationship had just come to an end. Uh, Brad was having some uh, really bad stuff going on with uh, one of his students' parents back home. Um, oh fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, I had a student's parent who had uh, who had taken their own life. Literally, I was driving to to Regina across Central Alberta, and I got a call and had to pull over. Yeah, geez, Dex, I forgot that. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> Then, uh, I mean, Matt and Matt and Danny had their stuff going on. And then uh, Brad, uh, I won't go too deep into that. Brad yeah. Wilson was there and, and yeah. uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Wilson was, uh, was back home and she was pregnant with Reed and could, could have left at any moment. Uh, yeah, that's why I didn't drive with you. We drove as a team, but I didn't drive with him because my wife was due. Like, yeah. Literally, she was due. So I had to have my own car in case I literally had to leave. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Casey, Casey continually carried his shoes to the lanes every day because he was our coach and our emergency spare. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he, there was there was a pro- every single day there was a possibility of going in, and uh, it, it was uh, an emotional roller coaster. But but how the but, bowling uh, go? Yeah, it was it was quite the experience. The bowling was unreal for me. It was funny, right? Because I'm going there, I. Me and Bobby always flipped the anchor position. When I first started bowling with him, I was the four hole. He was the five hole. And then as it evolved, we'd switch about halfway through the tournament. He'd always start in the five hole. And then about halfway through the tournament, he'd go, okay, that's enough of this. And he'd put me down there. Um, so there had been no discussion. And there ended up being a breakdown in Golden Mile that made us like 45 minutes late. First and game. Casey, yeah, Casey told us he, he had two lineups in his mind. And one of them had me on bottom and Schultz in the four hole. Uh, and it's funny because if Casey had told me that, I'd have been like, no way, Casey. 
right? Matt Schultz is the guy who balls anchor for Alberta when he's on the team at first. Uh, but the lineup that was there at first was myself, Brad Wilton, Dex, uh, Freddie, and Schultzy. And Casey went, that was the other line I thought of. It's the lineup that's there. That's the lineup we're going with. And he made he made one lineup change for the whole tournament. He switched Dex and Wilton at some point in time in the tournament. That was the extent of lineup moves made. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. it went up in like alphabetical order. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. And that's. <laughs> it had nothing to do with anything. It just happened to be that way. Good yeah. Job. And, yeah. And, and, and also, us in Southern Ontario, we really ran away from people. They got us the first two times we played them. And then the last game of the third day, um, we played them. And Nathan Cooper got up in 10 against Schultze. And uh, Nathan had the hammer. Um, and Nathan let Maddie go first. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because first of all, Maddie's going to throw it, and second of all, we were a very energetic team, so we were gonna, you were gonna know we threw it. Uh, and Maddie threw the first one, and Nathan popped, and Maddie got a chop, uh, and then Maddie had to spare the chop for the win. And Dex actually, I remember after talked about wishing we had a picture of us kind of all leaning on each other. Um, as yeah. Maddie threw the chop, yeah, yeah, we we were all within like a foot and a half of the end of that approach. Yeah, and now Maddie would have known that he needed to throw the chop. Obviously, you're whispering, oh. saying, or everybody knows that yeah. you need to know this, Matt. Yeah, and and that team was ridiculous. Like we had three games that tournament where we could have played four guys and still beat the team we were playing. <laughs> yeah, was, we had the we had the record for the quietest like fifteen fifty ever thrown. Yeah, Just, yeah. Pure silence. I think it was in Glen Cairn or North. It Town. was against Northern Ontario on the last lane. It was in Glen uh, and, and they were so mad at us because Matt, we, the game was over, and Matt was still waiting for his bowling ball to come back. <laughs> like, just throw the ball, Matt. Like, yeah. Yeah. We have won about five hundred points here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It was, that was an incredible team. For so me, cute. it was really neat um, because. Because we have three or four guys who match that level. Um, but to play on a team where there was no nerves, um, because it was just, it was a house backing up behind me. I had bowled lead off since like YBC. Uh, was very cool. Yeah, something yeah. different, right? To play lead off. Like, sure, yeah. play there. Yeah. And you got four guys behind you that are yeah. going to support you no matter what you do. Yeah. You're, you're a great lead off, though. I'm surprised you don't play lead off more often. Well, we have Mike Maloney, who just was, you know, in his own right, just ridiculous at it. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. But you, yeah. you, you throw lots of strikes, and and you're high yeah. energy, and you get things pumped up right away. And yeah, you were, you were a great lead. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, from a Masters, did you also play a lot of Masters out of uh, Newfoundland? And you still yeah. do? Yeah, I uh, I played singles three times. I think I played team four or five times. Uh, I love the Masters. I love not having the pull. I love five guys on the lane playing against each other. Uh, it's tough for us, right? On a team, I got a silver medal, and that's the only time we've even kind of come close to meddling uh, out of here. I can remember Dex was so happy that day because uh, I knew I was moving home, and Dex actually said, like, I wanted to win this with you because I know how hard it'll be, right, um, yeah. for us to put a team together here that can do it. But I just love that five guys on the lane. I prefer the singles format. It's it's match play. It's Singles it's is tough. 
right? It's it's kick each other's ass. It's it's not just you know throw high scores, which is great for the open, but I much prefer that every five minutes you got to throw a shot or you're screwed. Yeah. Um, kind of deal. So I, I love the open, but I think the master sets up a little bit more of a deeper competition. First of all, cause provinces like Alberta and Ontario are putting together these teams that are just ridiculous. And second of all, you got to throw it. There's no, there's no gimme moment where you get to come out and have a breather. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. yeah, yeah. I, I had the opportunity to play against you in what well, was 2019. I guess that's been quite some time now, I guess mm-hmm. at our masters and uh, master singles is always really tight. I mean, you, mm-hmm. with, with the open singles, you can have your pinfall and kind of run away with it and, and kind of have a little bit of a spread. And with master singles, it always seems like like six people have a chance to make step ladder going to the last day, right? So yeah, um, it was always, I think, going the last, what, two games, it was within a, a game making a step ladder. So, um, yeah, it's always tight making master singles. The, sure. Sorry, I don't know. What's the format of master singles? Um, master singles. So there's uh, eight other provinces. So we play each other uh, seven. There's seven. Well, three, three times. Three times. Three times. Yeah. Right. Twenty. Twenty-one. Play format, and then you, the top four, make the master or make the step ladder. Sorry. Top three. Three. Top Which three. is also great because you got a medal when you go to play. I played yeah. master singles three times, and yeah. the twenty-first game has either got me in or out of the step ladder all three times. Yeah. Right. And now. Yeah. So- it's a match play, so it's basically win loss record. Correct. Yeah, it's it's technically two points, one point and zero, two for the win, one for the tie, but it's it's yeah. just straight up head to head. Yeah, I love that. So have you played uh, open uh, national singles? Yeah, I played open national singles in 09 and fifteen. In 09, I qualified third. Uh, and Johnny Walsh took me out on on a run. He ended up beating me, then Mitch Geary from Nova Scotia, and he took Martin Talbot twice to win his second nationals. And twenty fifteen it was at Nebs, which was I played team and singles and then throw 300. So we don't need to go back to that one. Uh, that was a tough one. And, and the field that year was ridiculous. Greg Greg played Brad Bones in the finals. Oh, um, yeah. Who who had beaten, uh, like, I want to say Eric Villeneuve or Terry Little. Uh, Ian Sylvester was there. Giggs was there and didn't qualify. Like, the field was a right. was kind of a murderer's row kind of year. And and it was just a tough year. I finished sixth or seventh or something. But what do you prefer, the the Masters or the Open Singles? I guess that's a good question for all of you guys. Um, you know, the format at the national championships, one being a pinfall to the qualifying and then one being a match play. Brad, what do you prefer? Uh, it's funny. I think I would do better in the pinfall because I think I could get in my own head, but I'd rather that Masters uh, every day of the week, even though I think in the long run, the Open would be where I'd get more more traction. But because it's a match play, you'd rather play that. Tim, what are you? Absolutely. Uh, I think I think I'd probably do better in the open. Um, <laughs> my ma- my masters, I don't have a great track record, but uh, I have my <laughs> silvers at nationals for the um, masters is not a bad track. So, and so, Daryl, you have to understand. So, you know how the the step ladder for the singles work for open. Um, for for masters, uh, when the two three play, it's a it's a three game. It's not total pinfall. It's it's a it's a one game match. And if you it's best two or three, I guess you can say. Okay, so a second and third do that in the step. And and, and then you when you go to the first when you play one, it's best two or three as well. So when I okay. so so when I play like I beat uh, um, Tyson Nelson here, I whooped them all two, best two or three. I I say that because I beat them five zero. Um, <laughs> And Brad was there to watch it because it was a running joke. And then, um, and then I uh, played uh, Cody Laycox. And I beat him like three sixty to two something. And then he went three sixty, three sixty against me. 
Okay. So there's there's only so much you can do about about it, right? So it's uh it's it's a little bit more uh if you have a bad game and you can wipe it out, right? So mm. Masters is good that way, I think. Um where the open is yeah, I guess it all depends. If you're the first seed, you still have that double knockout, right? So Yeah. What about you, Dex? Um I mean for singles, I don't, you know what I, I can't really say because I haven't played either. Um, right. But that Get being said, that. for, for uh, I kind of feel like they have they have them backwards. You know, I, I, yeah. feel, I feel like I feel like the open should be the one where it's match play all the way through, and Masters should be the one where it's pinfall. Uh, you do all your qualifying for Masters all based on pinfall, yeah. and yeah, you're qualifying for for the open is. But uh, initially, but once you get to provincials, it's all match play and stuff too, and I, so I don't, I don't know. I feel like they're backwards, but that's yeah. just my opinion. I don't have an, a preference, but I feel like those two need to flip. How about you, Carrie? Um, I I always prefer match play. I I think um, pinfall or whatever, that's all good and fine. But when it comes down one on one, and you can you can throw the strike over top the other person i i feel that's a lot more intensity involved i feel that that's more more competitive than um yeah. running away with a tournament mm-hmm. because of pinfall. i yeah. i feel i feel like um with c5 i feel like this the singles formats based off of schedule and mm-hmm. time frame i i think if you if, if i want to i don't I, don't quote me on it because i'm not i don't know but i feel like that's what it is right because you know you x amount of time you see your time Lane draw uh, uh, with with masters. I think it's just uh, Brad. You we both had the opportunity to play uh, masters one way where we had two on two on each set, where we play at nine o'clock in the morning. We're done by eleven. We can have our drinks. We can finish and follow everybody and do all that and have a great party the rest of the day. And then we played in um, Gatineau and Gatineau yeah. were in an hour a game because we, we paired each other up and we had two like was, two provinces on each one. It was absolutely painful. Um, and I think that's where the detriment of the pinfall uh, math play was because it was totally different, right? Yeah, but, I, I, but on, I wish. On your end, though, it might have worked well with you because how the match play works in Masters is Alberta gets to play. Like I, I was paired up with Jen, so uh, like my tournament singles – Gets to play with each other the whole time against, like, say, Newfoundland's tournament singles. Unfortunately, Brad and Megan had a dropout because of an injury. So normally it would just be two against one. Yeah. So he'd be bowling by himself the whole time. But when we went in, in Gatineau, it was four against three. So he at least had a fortunate of bowling with somebody and at least keeping the time and the rhythm there, right? Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest, I, I really wish, uh, and I'm sure some of them are listening, like, I wish they'd consult the bowlers, because I haven't heard a bowler, I, I, the argument for making the Masters the four-on-four was it gives people a longer time, uh, I haven't heard more than three or four people who've actually bowled Master singles say they wanted that change, right? I think the two-on-two, right, the two-on-two makes it what it is, because literally, Every twenty minutes, thirty minutes, if you're bowling Weber, um, you're 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 literally throwing a shot that mattered. Like the last day in in 2011, I I managed to qualify second that year. Every twenty minutes, you know, the, it was Bobby Torville, Sly Bercier, uh, uh, Daryl Wood, uh, Johnny was there. Like 
every 20 minutes you're throwing shots in eight and nine against those guys. Like we'd all die for that. Like that's, that's a bowling paradise right outside right. of the stress and the grief and the fact you're not allowed to have a drink while you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right? we, we made it 80 minutes in the first mention of Adam Weber on this. <laughs> <laughs> what about Mitch Davies? Anyways, we want to move on to another subject. But first, before we do, if people in the comments that are listening, just, you know, throw out your, your – what do you prefer from a, a national singles format, either the open format or the Masters format? Just to sort of be a, a show of, of comments coming out there. It will be good to see. We'll, we'll chat about them as they come up. Um, but I think a good time to transition. Um, Brad, we want to chat a little bit about it. Uh, you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, getting into your own head uh, and, and dealing with some of those emotions that come up in the course of a play – uh, and even talking about having, you know, anxiety and, and you know, from a formal standpoint. Um, can you talk a little bit about that as some of the challenges you've dealt with, obviously from a mental health and, uh, you know, knowing when you're having an anxiety attack, um, just to sort of uh, share some input on, on that side of things for us. Absolutely. Uh, just to contextualize it a little bit, because it's a big issue. Um, I've had a bunch of concussions um, and I had my last one playing basketball, ironically enough. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong, Ron, correct me. In the Somewhere around 2011, 2012, I, I suffered my last concussion playing basketball. A guy pushed me against a wall and I kind of, I took a rough one um, and I ended up with some, some pretty rough general, generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, and the first time it showed up in bowling was 2016, actually. Um, we were playing provincials and Bobby wanted to make the switch from me to four to five. I was actually like 295 for the tournament. And, you know, we're guys, right? And we're idiots. So we don't want to name that shit. Um, and I just kind of say like, Bob, I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, and he doesn't listen to me cause I didn't give him a reason why it was a good idea. Um, and he switches me and I go from averaging 295 to literally, I think like 210 for the tournament. Like it, it got rough. Uh, so that year going to nationals, when we ended up on the mixed team together, I, Peter Osser, who was coaching. I actually let her know. I didn't want her to tell anyone because, you know, we're guys and we're idiots, so we're embarrassed about that stuff, even though there's no reason to be. I said, Petra, things are rough. Um, try to keep me out of the anchor position. She, as a coach, has a responsibility to the team. I ended up in the anchor position in that tournament by, like, game five. Uh, I don't begrudge her. I actually threw some shots that tournament. Um, but it was a real struggle. My year in Alberta was really rough. Me and my dad actually driving home from the TPC. My dad had come up the TPC weekend. Uh, we had a pretty deep conversation and some pretty big disagreements. He was kind of like, why are you doing this if it gets you? Uh, and if you saw my scores from the Adam Open and from the TPC, it's like a 2200 set with a 162 on the board. And I still do it. I threw a 130-something this year. Um, and all you can do is laugh it off in the moment. But uh, it kind of became known that I had it uh, after that uh, 2018 uh, Masters because I came home from it. Um, and I was playing two-on-one because the last day it was that Megan had injured herself, and I was playing Kyle Young and Jenna Ablis. And I got out of the shoot super hot that day. I'd thrown like a 350 against Cody. I'd backed it up pretty good the next game. And, of course, the problem with uh, a mental health issue is once your emotions get hot, positive or negative, it's sneaking up on you. So I can feel it coming, and the word I use is quicksand. It's out of the replacements movie with Keanu Reeves. What a great, terrible football movie. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I could just feel the quicksand getting me. My dad is playing on the seniors team, and I'm like, are you done? Because will you get here? Mike Upshaw, or not Mike Upshaw, Shane is up there, a great buddy. I'm just, you're trying to get reinforcements, but I don't get any reinforcements really. And I'm playing Kyle Young, and I've kind of got him out, and then Kyle – 
starts running a little bit. And I just feel it. It's, it's coming. Yeah. And Jana, God love her. What a wonderful human being kind of comes up to me halfway through the game. Cause Megan's not there. And it's kind of like you seem off. And in that moment, you just, you don't want anything. So it happened. The whole rest of the day was a train wreck um, uh, da, 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 from BC. Who was BC that year? Matt Harms. Matt Harms wasted the floor with me the next game from BC. He throws yeah. like a 400. And the rest of the day is a wash. I played Tony Nelson you, in you the last me. game. Right? Me. I beat you. But yeah. you know, you got in, so give it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ty Nelson beats me in the last game and knocks me out. But I go home, and yeah. I'm a teacher, right? I deal with kids in my life. And if I had a kid who was going through an issue and didn't admit it, I'd be like, dude, like – do this and i'm lucky i've taught from kindergarten to grade 12 so i've seen every edge of the spectrum so i make this facebook post about it uh, and it kind of blew up a little bit in the way the facebook posts do when you when you make posts about stuff um and I, and it's it's so hard because there's a couple things about it right like i see a counselor i've seen a counselor for five or six years and the one thing you hate is those people who get a little tough in their head for a minute and try to claim it as something that it's not uh, and then there's also the other side of that. You don't want to tell someone what the reality is. But there are no words to explain that I'm bowling in a league where I'm a 260 average on a Tuesday night two months ago, and I throw a 136. And I'm two frames into the game, and I know the fucking two, 136 is coming, right? Yeah. And you don't want to talk to anyone about it. You don't want to deal with it. But, right, like I'm smart, I'm good at bowling, but there's no turning off that side of it. Um, and I look at guys like Patterson and those guys, you know, I think about a Jimmy head who loves talking about the mental side of bowling. Anytime I've talked to him. Um, and I think about, um, the fact we, we don't admit those things, right? We don't admit it. And there's that normal, Hey, let's prep for competition and that pressure of that getting up and having to throw the shot, you know, decks thrown on TV, you know, with a possible 450 on the board and the, the stress of that, you know, you know, Kreitzy winning, you know, two cash tournaments in a row and the, you know, the, the ridiculousness of, of that. And then when it goes to that next level of, of how do you know, and how do you help someone? And, and, and I always think to the fact that the best thing I could have done that day was look to Jenna Albus and gone, you know, Jenna, no, I'm not okay. Yeah, like no. I'm, I'm in a rough spot right now. Cause what happens is, is that snowball for me? Right. I actually didn't go watch Tim and Ty and, and Cody play the next day. I hold up in my hotel room. I went to the banquet. I stayed at the banquet for, you know, the minimum amount of time I could have stayed at the banquet. I, I left the banquet. My flight wasn't out till late the next day. I hold up in my hotel room for the, for the next day. And then all of a sudden a bowling tournament is after turning into an actual problem. Right. And then, and that's the reason as a bowler, you got to name it. And then that competitive side, you got to figure out a way to deal with it and, and, and get through it. And obviously it's a big, it's a big serious topic, but I want to have good mental health, but I also want to get up in the 10th frame and bury Dex Wiseman when I'm playing. Him. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And I want to be able to solve both those problems at, at the same time. So that's, a, that's a lot there, Daryl, to, to say to it, but it is a big topic. So I wanted to give it kind of some justice as I unfolded in my head there. You know, and I appreciate that. I think, you know, what's important for, you know, me and people to realize it's not just the self doubt as far as, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to win this game or I'm throwing a shitty shot. You're starting to get mad at yourself. You're like, you know, I'm not this and that. This is a bigger issue. You're dealing with something that is coming from inside that is building, like you said, with quicksand that this is, this is not me just throwing a shitty shot. This is my body, my brain, 
you know, yeah, having, having an attack on me yeah. that I can or can't control that is beyond my physical ability to throw the ball. Yeah, because that day I was throwing rockets, and yeah. I knew I was throwing rockets. I could feel it. Like, if I could have turned my head off that day, I was I was buzzed on that, those seven games. But I felt it, and, right, it's the worst thing, right, it's that metacognition of once you know you're feeling it, but you don't have someone to help you get out of it, right? Because, you know, who's going to help me get out of it? My dad, maybe, you know, my wife, my brother, you know, only those people who really know you. It was game over. And the worst part about it was, was I knew it was game over. Yeah. Um, right? I'm going from shooting what would have been like a 320 average for a day to, buddy, this is going to get ugly. And this is going to get ugly real fast. Um and when I look at myself and think of myself as an educator, what I get mad at is that I didn't say to Jenna in that moment. And I yeah. called them out in a positive way when I, when I wrote the post that, like, I'm, I'm really thankful that they reached out. And, you know, Carl's such a great guy, you know, this big giant fella. Awesome. And he came up and right. And I hadn't said anything. He came up to me after he kind of went on a run the end of that game to beat me. And, you know, he came up and was kind of like, stay with it, bug, get through it. And in the goodness of the bowling community, you know, Bobby, going back to Bobby, Bobby always talked about the fact we're in, uh, we're in bowling alleys and we all got our wallets in our bowling bags. Right. And there's just this assumption that there's 500 people in a bowling alley with wallet and no one's going to take anything. Wallet, uh, right. Um, yeah. And the yeah. fact that in that moment, if I had said, no, I'm having a tough time, you know, Doug McCaws, they're watching Taylor, you know, there's these elite bowlers and these legendary bowlers uh, you know, who someone would have been like, okay, Brad, let's let's uh, let's let's just take a moment, right? Let's let's realize where we're at. Um, and that's whatever I say to people. Like when you don't say it to someone, someone can't help you. Yeah. Um, and that that that's when it truly causes problems. Because for me, at that tournament, it, it legitimately caused problems. And and you know that TPC on the drive back down from Edmonton and the Red Deer on the QE two, you know, Dad said, "Why are you still doing it?" And my answer at the time, I only had Sebastian at the time, was because I want to tell Sebastian that it beat me nine times, and I'm going to get emotional saying, saying this. I managed to get through Bobby, and I'm fucking going here. I want to be able to tell. I want to be able to tell Sebastian that I got it sometimes. Yeah. Right. You know, I threw a twenty-three eighty or twenty-three fifty to win our provincial masters a few years ago, um, and I knew I needed it because of the format of our masters. I knew the number I needed. And I want to be able to tell him there were some days it was going to get me, and and, and I got it. Uh, but but we got to be able to speak about it, and and for guys especially, right? We got this machismo bullshit yeah. um, in us, right? You know, Tim messaged me yesterday so graciously saying like, yeah. if you don't want to be on because Bob died, I get it. If you want to come on after we talk about Bob, I get it. And being honest with that naming, you know, that Tim named like we're all big feelers, we get it, right? Yeah. Um, and we're just not good at that. We just suck at it, frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, that's why I think it's so important that you come on here and, and you talk about it, even if it is a difficult conversation. It's something that um, a lot of people struggle with, and it's something that people need to be able to talk about. And like you said, if you don't talk about it, um, it it just gets worse. Bowling, bowling is such a uh, highly emotional uh, sport. It's a, it's a highly stressful sport at the at the upper end of it, um, and it can all be a catalyst to, you know. I mean, I, I watched it happen, Daryl Wood. Um, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And, and it was it was hard. It was hard watching. It, it, it was, was heartbreaking. Watch happened to Daryl. Like we were at the Masters. I think it was in BC, right, Carrie? Right. Was, now, yeah. 
Like that's just, it's just heartbreaking. And one of the worst things about generalized anxiety and depression is what's one of the worst triggers for it. Yeah. Yeah. And what, and what do we do when we go to bowling tournament? And there's nothing wrong. And there's nothing wrong with any of it. Right. You know, me and Lynn always talk about Lynn always likes the fact that I seem to manage to balance it, which Bobby needed in his life. Um, but (laughs) you just do it. So you're not sleeping. Right. You got these huge emotions and you step off the lanes and you're having it. So, so something I've had to do and my counselor has done this with me. It was like, Brad, you may love those drinks, but you got to wait till Saturday night to really have that good time. Um, which yeah. is hard because, because I'm going up and seeing you guys for like the first time in a year, the first time in like three years, the next time we get to do it. All I want to do is sit down and have some drinks with you and, and do it. But then yeah. you're setting yourself up for failure. So listen to those people who know what they're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. So what are some of the things that you could share as far as, you know, when you realize it's starting to happen, is there, you know, what do you do to get out of it or, or recognize it and deal with it? Some of the coping mechanisms, um, what are those, what are those sort of triggers that you can notice that and sort of help other people say, when you notice this happening, this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'll go take a step back, I'll have a sit down or whatever. So share with us some of the, the insights on, on how you cope. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to speak as an educator and someone who's got some grief background now, right? I know it's coming when I get hazy. Um, So I was playing Kyle and I could feel like all of a sudden everything, it's like you're watching yourself, right? And I knew then I was like, oh, shit, right? And at the time I didn't have the skills to do it. And right now I'd fail at it lots of times too, right? Um, And you re-engage those moments by using your senses. Uh, So as an educator, I do this with my five-year-old kids when they get mad. Uh, Find five things you can touch four things you can hear, three things you can smell. Uh, we have other senses. Um, well, whatever, <laughs> well, whatever the other senses are, uh, you know, uh, truly, but, but truly it's re-entering you in that moment. And, and, you know, such a great, you know, you go back to Patterson and those articles he write, which, you know, you love sometimes and you laugh at sometimes that mindfulness, right? Cause what happens when you get anxiety is I'm out of the moment. Um, and what happens, right, is you do it once and it doesn't work, right? Just like the first time you make an adjustment, it doesn't work. So you go, okay, this isn't for me, right? Um, and, and you find that, that, that peace within yourself and, and you accept that you're not going to go from 100 back to zero. 100 back to 70 or 100 back to 60 is success, um, and that's all I say to people, right? You bring yourself to the moment, you know, Kathy has a poster. It's called grounding, mindfulness, awareness. And as an educator, I'm much more comfortable with that because it's something I preach in my classroom, but, but use your senses. Uh, you know, something I don't encourage, and this is a mental health comment. I'm not a mental health professional. So I'll say that is, is we use meta, we use, you know, sitting down and going somewhere else in a tournament, right? Cause you're in stress, so you get your head that can hurt anxiety. Because I'm already all over the place, and I'm also in the bowling alley, so then I'm putting myself somewhere else. So now I'm three places. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah, and, place. I'm in the bowling and, alley, and I'm somewhere else. Well, and then and then if if you go back to a quiet spot, and then you move back out into the noisy, stressful yeah. environment, it, that that's got to be sensory overload again. It is yeah, and it's killer. And and the, the my best time succeeding at it was, and sometimes you need to break your bowling rules. So I I threw a great set to win singles one year, knowing I needed it. And uh, Bobby wasn't there, um, and this just fits. And what I did is I put myself in a space where I was bowling with Bobby because I could handle that. So I'd get up and I'd go, okay, what would he be saying? What would it be this? Shane would be telling me now that I'm telling Bobby stories again, but he can shag off. <laughs> 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 Shane who? Um, 
Yeah, yeah I like it. I love this. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and truly at that moment, and Daryl, I love how you're, how you're setting this up. My first responsibility at that moment in time is to myself as a person, right? Bowling needs to become secondary, but in the competitive sense, to keep it a little bit focused, what I do to help me as a person is going to help me as a competitor. Right. So it's about finding those safe places for yourself that you can do it and safe people. You know, there are people I can think of in bowling circles who I would just know, like, this is shit right now. But you know what? Me and Melissa Manor have been buddies for 15 years, despite the fact I drive her absolutely crazy with my antics. So I'm going to go stand next to Manor. Right. Or you know what? Mike Maloney's been in the pit with me in the most tense moments in the world. So, so when I threw the 136 at League, I, I never got out of it, but Mike Maloney and a guy, Mike Upshaw, uh, who are great buddies of mine, were on one and two, and I just slowly drifted myself over there yeah. so that I was with people who were going to talk to me about stuff. I knew they knew what was going on. Did they name it? No. Why? Because we're guys and we're idiots. Um, <laughs> right? Right. But they know. So they keep chatting with you. They don't make it awkward. They don't anything. And you do. You got to take care of yourself as a person. And then when you think of the competitive side, which is kind of the bowling thought, that helps. And you need to accept that success gets a different definition at that moment in time, right? Yeah. Success is saying I handle my anxiety well, not I managed to beat that person. And as competitors, we don't like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I like what you've done there. You know, they gave, you know, and Kathy's got some good comments here. And she absolutely does. Yeah, she's listed the things. Thank you, yeah, Kathy. You know, you're grounding yourself. And I think that's yeah. important. That, um, you know, you're grounding yourself by going and walking over to you know, like you said, Melissa or to, to Mikey or to somebody just sort of it even just being beside them allows your mental state to sort of start to be grounded and they can they can feel that and you know that. So I think that's important. I think probably a lot of people would do that without recognizing what's going on, but they're walking over to a comfort person. You know, I'm having a shitty night and I don't need Dexter to tell me what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. I just want to go over by him, right? Or or Tim on a match play. I just want to go by them just because it's a support person that you can be, um, you know, grounded by. Okay, get myself focused again and let's get bowling. So, yeah. And what's great about that is we do that in tournaments naturally, right? We yeah. played Southern Ontario in 2017, the last game of the second last day, and I was like 35 and the third. And Casey came up to me and went, Brad, you're trying to play our game right now. And what he meant was I'm trying to play the way Alberta would play in this moment. And he said, you need to play the way you play in nice. these games. And what that meant was if I want to do an e-slide on every single strike I throw and piss Maddie Houston off, then you know what, Maddie Houston? You're going to have to live with it and we'll deal with it when we sit down for a beer later on. Yeah. So we, so we naturally do these things as competitors, and those great coaches uh, do that for you. And there's a reason it works in that because it's a high-stress moment. It's just that awareness to know. And my biggest thing is, is, is it's so hard to know when it's coming, right? And I think of Daryl Wood, and it was uh, – sad. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it would have been 2016, right? Carrie, because it was the it year was, before I moved away, yeah. right? And like, I think it was Chelsea and some people tried to take care of him. And you're just a great guy, a great competitor. And what I hate is, is we all know better, but that judgment, you know, you heard people say really idiot things that week, right? And like, give it up. Because first of all, no matter what he did, and I don't think he did anything wrong. No. Dude's one of the best bowlers in the province, in the country. And he just threw like 120, 120. 
and had to come out of a tournament, right? Like, just, I don't know the back history there of, of, of so, again, just got into his head and just had it. It was even yeah. worse. Like, yeah, I, don't it was, he, it was, I don't even think he broke 100. I don't think he even broke 100. I, yeah. Cherry's uh, got some comments. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He, did. he did. He had, like, I want to say it was less than 50 in the fifth. Um, it, obviously he wasn't, he wasn't with it. You could tell he was mm. having a big anxiety issue and stuff like that. He ended up having to be pulled from the tournament and Larry Ellert, I do believe came in and replaced uh, him. Johnson. Oh, John, Larry Johnson. Johnson yeah. Sorry, yeah. And, yeah. uh, and like Brad had said it earlier, um, booze may have been a contributing factor, mm -hmm. right? Um, Daryl's a great, great guy. Um, great competitor for a lot of years and, uh, everything kind of hit him at once and it was uh it was a very rough moment and like brad said a lot of people didn't react the right ways and um it was a sad moment for for bowling and competitive bowling especially um seeing a a great person like that go down and uh and uh the way he was treated i think was pretty wrong too but yeah. yeah, he's he's been a friend of mine for a long time, and I I was there I was there spectating. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got to see most of it unfold, and uh, I got to see Daryl show up at the bowling alley when he was supposed to be bowling, and uh, had a had a good chat with him because I mean there isn't a lot for spectating, and um, man, I uh, I've never felt worse for a person. Um, it was it was heartbreaking watching the guy. I, shaking shaking like a leaf even after and yeah. uh um and man he's only really starting now to be um competitive again and uh g gotta gotta take care of yourself gotta take care of yourself mentally too yeah and yeah. i think that's a lot of people gotta take something away from that as many as the personal side goes outside of bowling uh they're still a human being they're still part of yeah. the bowling community they're um I know he he has a backstory and people can figure it out on their own. We're not going to divulge in it, any of that stuff, but um, still a human being, still had a big anxiety problem, and uh, I'm glad he's finally getting out of it. He seems like he's in a great spot. Um, he played really well at the TPC last mm. time we were allowed to have one. Um, yeah. he, is, he is showing signs of great play again, and I, I can't wait to face him on the lanes again. Yeah, he, he is one of the most talented people I've ever met. Um, he's just terrible with shots. <laughs> we're talking about this guys i mean I, I, we're gonna wrap up this sort of segment of it and move on to something different but mental health is very important i'm glad that a lot more people are talking about it um brad certainly appreciate you talking about your own Thank experience you, most important thing i think you said is you know make sure somebody knows uh, talk to somebody about it um there, there's plenty of stuff going on there's plenty of people before us that have had the issue um, and dealt with it. Maybe we just didn't, never named it, um, but it's okay to name it going forward. Um, talk to somebody. Nobody should hold judgment, um, treat you any different. Um, and it's it's definitely probably commonplace in the bowling world that we just don't know about it. So um, yeah. uh, share, 20... share, your, share your stories. Um, you know, we, it's a bigger subject that we can talk about down the road. You know, we're simply, you know, the anxiety side, but there's there's many other facets to the, to the mental health that is important to everybody. So yeah, uh, 20, uh, 2017 was a crazy year for us at Masters, and uh, that was one thing that I was always grateful with was that that you were actually completely open and honest with us about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I forget I that. I was, wasn't I? You were. You absolutely yeah. were. And uh, yeah. you know what? With everything else that was going yeah. on that weekend, yeah. um, 
I don't think any of us were ever phased, and but thank you for your trust in us, honestly. I, I, I'm going to give one shout out because I know you're getting near it. Is 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 Wilton helped me so much that week, right? Because I knew Dex, I knew Schultze, I knew Freddie, I knew Casey, and Wilton was the only guy I hadn't really competed against because Edmonton and Central always seemed to come out on Calgary, <laughs> uh, so I hadn't seen him at the Open. And me and, w- and, and me and Wilton roomed, and you know both our wives are like ready to burst the children out of them, or for some reason we're in vagina <laughs> playing a bowling tournament. Yeah. Uh, and I remember now I shared that with you guys, and going back to the room you're embarrassed and, and you just got a name that you are, even though you shouldn't be. And me willing to just sit in the night and just chat. And he was so, it never changed anything. And that makes it okay. Right. So I always say that, right. As a person, you have a responsibility to take yourself, care of yourself, but receivers also need to just be humans with the person. Yeah. Right. You just, just yeah. give them dignity. You know, Kerry talked about it, right. You know, just, just give them dignity. Who cares what they did. Right. That's, that doesn't matter right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just talk about it, right? That's what, uh, you know, it's all about is talk to people about it. Um, Brad, quickly for you, what what's left with bowling? Obviously, you're, you're still young. you got a lot of years of a career left. Um, where What's bucket list? Are you coming out west to play WCBT events? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more more masters, more opens? What's, uh, what's, what do you want to finish with? Uh, it's funny. I've emceed a bunch of NL five banquets and I've actually made the joke that, that the younger generation of Newfoundland are going to be like, yeah, that Brakelin guy was apparently pretty good, but he's just the voice of bowling in Newfoundland. Um, he's he's Joe Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I, 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 I want that master singles bad. Um, I've been snake bit moans, beat me from one end of the bowling alley, to the other in a one, two game, uh, Sly knocked me out one year. So I finished fourth. Ty knocked me out one year. So I finished fourth. I want that master singles. Um, I left Holiday lanes for a year. Uh, I don't regret it. I left for reasons that I, that I know match my principles. It's really tough to know that that would have been the last year I played with Bob. Um, but, but I don't regret it. He and I had had conversations. We've had conversations since then. I want to get back to a nationals with a holiday lanes men's team. Uh, it's got Mikey Maloney on it. Um, he's pretty much it. I'll take anyone else on the team. I want me and Mikey Maloney to go back to a nationals. Um, and, and, you know, we got open teams that can, can compete with anyone, but, but I want to get back to a nationals wearing holiday lanes where it's black or Metro three or whatever the frick they call them now. <laughs> uh, I, I want to wear a black, black bowling shirt at a bowling tournament uh, sometime soon that, with, with what's happened the past two days with Bob Dine, wearing a black bowling shirt at a bowling tournament is the extent of, of, of my bowling goals right now. I want to get into coaching at some point in time. I've got two little boys. I, I don't want them to bowl while they got to throw two hands because <laughs> they have my temper. So I can't imagine them being 130 averages with two hands and then going, hey, pick it up with one hand. <laughs> so me and uh, my last story, because I know you're on time, me and Mike Upshaw is a great friend. He has two little boys, and I have two little boys. Um, so our joke was always, uh, it'd be me and Mike and our two kids each, and that'd be the six and Bobby was going to be the coach. Um, so, so that's a tough one to say right now. I totally not thought of that until right now, uh, playing with one of the boys when they get older, it'd be cool if they do get into bowling. So yeah, I I want that master's gold. I want to play in a black shirt again and then playing with one of the boys would be, those are, those are about it right now. Good. Well, you're lots, lots of time left, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you go get it. Yeah. Um, last topic that we want to talk about a little bit is obviously related to to COVID, um, the restrictions. Um, you know, obviously bowling centers aren't open right now. 
um, the banter back and forth with the five pin you guys and talking is, you know, what is what's happening out there? What are our, you know, national governing bodies doing? What are our provincial governing bodies doing? What are what's the communication out there? Um, you know, I'm not a proprietor and I'm not necessarily on the boards, but I don't know what's happening and what uh, what advocates are coming our, our way is is. For example, is Bowl Canada doing anything to advocate for their proprietor members um, for for COVID? Um, is you know the the, the C five um, national body sending out messages to their membership? And I feel like there's a little bit of a lack of communication out there that could be stronger to the membership. Um, that's a bit sad. So it's just sort of. You know, wondering if anybody's seen some communication, know what they're doing for us. Obviously, we know that some provinces are closed, but um, doesn't seem to be there's a whole lot going on from the people that we're we're members of. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, for sure. And I I kind of want to give Tim and Dexter the option. They don't have to comment on obviously this topic <laughs> just because you're proprietorship and and. I, I hope nobody holds these conversations to um, a flame because these are our own opinions and um, they don't reflect the businesses or the associations or anything we're really a part of. They're just personal opinion. Um, my main thing is um, let's look at Alberta. So Alberta is on full lockdown. Um, all sports are shut down besides professional sports. There's, an Alberta recovery plan. There's some other stuff, but there's nothing really specific for proprietor ran sports. Most sports team sports are publicly funded or ran by the cities or the communities, but bowling is proprietor ran it. The proprietor provides the facility and the bowlers go play the sport. Um, So without them having a specific grant, it's so so tough for these guys to catch up since they're losing their peak time and hope they can recover during the summer is just not realistic. Yeah. Um, we're, we're one of the few industries that are, um, completely lost in all of this. I mean, yeah, there's, there's rent subsidies and there's wage subsidies, but no, nobody truly understands, um, what the industry is like and how it's so geared towards seasonal and, and where we're heading as a sport and as an industry as a whole, um, I think it's completely lost on the government. And, and it, I mean, obviously they have bigger things to think about, but we're in such a gray area um, where we're part rec center, we're part, part sport facility. This is, this is where the open play, we are open, but we were, sh- or we were open, but we were shut down for leagues and, um, we're we're really uh, we're really stuck in a spot where um, we we need advocates to start hitting up MLAs and and uh, the Canadian government, the provincial governments, and all this because you know what we're we're all in a really dire spot now. We're in constant communication with tons of proprietors and uh, all those little guys. Um, it, it's it's getting tougher and tougher with every shutdown. And the subsidies just aren't going to be enough if it runs out in in the summer, and and there's not ways to um, generate income. Um, we, it's it's going to be devastating to our sport come summer because right now nobody has nobody has the ability to create that slush fund that you need for 
for uh, for that summer, and and the overhead is exponential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, Tim. I don't. I don't yeah, mean to cut you off. No. I just want to add something real quick. Um, Shauna kind of asked, "What's the answer?" Um, <laughs> obviously, we don't want to say you have to open the proprietor's door so they can make money because that isn't in the public's best interest um, health-wise, right? But there's got to be a specific um, way the provincial governments or the federal government can look at a proprietor-run sport and provide a special grant specifically for that idea, right? Right now, it's a it's a blanket grant system that Unfortunately, a lot of the small proprietorships, I'm not sure if a lot of people follow Leduc Lanes on Facebook, but um, a lot of people may not agree with her thought process, but she is, let, let's point it straight, she is one of the centers that will be definitely closed. There is no way around it. She's resorted to a GoFundMe. Um, I don't think that's the best option for these proprietors to be asking for donations. That that shouldn't be a system when the government is shutting them down and not giving them an option out. Yeah. The, the, the hard, yes. Sorry, Carrie. The, the hard part is the hard part is with Leduc is that now do I fully agree with her? No. Do I understand where she's coming from? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that uh, she has merit what she says. Uh, however, when she, um, is going against AHS and government orders. And I, again, I understand her frustration. Um, it, it paints bowling alleys all in Alberta in a tough spot. Um, it puts us in a, right. It makes us look all bad at the same time. Um, uh, any, any, but it's even bad publicity. At least it's good publicity. Right. right. So um, like, I know we've been, like I was talking to Daryl today, we're hitting up our MLAs and doing all this other stuff, but what can we do? You know, do we hit up the global, do we hit up global news? Do we hit up news sources? Like do, what, at what point do we start hitting up larger, larger things? Um, I, and, I and Whose I, responsibility I, is that? Right. You know, at, at this point, do we just stir the pot? Right. I mean, at that point, right. Um I was, I was privy to some information. Um, there was a town hall meeting in Alberta with Henshaw and Chandro and other sports. Um, and I was telling Daryl about this earlier. And I think I told you guys that, you know, like all the, all the sports heads were in there and they were talking about when we had closures back in November and they were talking about um, what, what, what were they going to do with, with all these restrictions um, before they did a forced shutdown. And they said, and Curling came out and Curling said, hey, guys, we're a publicly funded uh, business. Or, sorry, we're a private business. We're not publicly funded. What are you going to do for us if we have to close down permanently? These restrictions are hurting us. And both of them, our health minister, our health lady who does all the stuff, right? And our health minister, Chandra, both said, we don't know, right? So bowling was lumped in with that. Um, so when they say, I don't know. And they have this, you have no answer for us, right? We got, we got it bowling and curling and, uh, and there's some other facilities out there. I know there's some private golf courses, obviously, and there's other places out there that are um, in unique situations. There, there has to be, you know, um, sometimes you just have to maybe be loud enough sometimes in order to create that. And that's what I was getting at is, yeah. you know, way, what are our national bodies doing to support the bowling mm -hmm. center and the members? Yeah. Um, in a way, sure. I might calling them out. What is bowl Canada doing to advocate for proprietors? What is C5 doing to communicate to all their members? 
what is, you know, Bowl Alberta. I know a little bit of what Grady's working with AHS. Right. I just don't know if they are doing everything in their power. Uh, and that's what I want to make sure that they, they are. And if they, they are, then, then great, good for you. I just don't know that they are. I, I'm a member, yeah. but I don't hear anything. So I, I would personally like to see some more communication from our national bodies, provincial bodies, whatever it is, yeah. to, to, to communicate to us. I sit on a couple of other boards, and we've mandated to our general managers or CEOs of the companies, of, of, the, of the sport organizations, that they need to communicate with their members every two to three weeks, regardless if you're open or that you're closed, regardless if there's an update or not an update. But let's be real here. Anybody talking about bowling is five pin universe right now. I'm not seeing anything communication coming out from Bowl Canada from C5. Maybe that's where we need to get them onto a podcast um, to talk about what are they doing on our behalf or on the proprietor's behalf. It's not us, let's be honest. I mean, I mean, as much as I want to go bowling, as much as everybody wants to go bowling, it's about the proprietors and yeah. supporting them so that they have a business to run so that we can we can help them. Um, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, let, let's be fair. Like, if if something doesn't get figured out, these associations that are supposed to be supporting the sport, mm -hmm. the proprietors are the backbone. If all of a sudden the proprietor can't be open, those associations don't exist. They don't have jobs, right? And um, and the other part of that, that town hall meeting you guys have, from my understanding, is that they're looking not to have any group activities until the fall, until everybody has a vaccine. And that's complete BS. There's no fucking way that that can last and people are going to be able to survive that. I mean, my other association, that's bullshit that golf gets to do it and yet bowling can't in a safe way. Um, it, yeah. It's garbage that you can't right. last that long. I mean, there's there's the, there has to be some advocacy for us. And if, if, if it's not going to happen for bowling until September, we might as well quit our sport and be done with it. It's garbage. Yeah. You have to get a roll. Get these vaccines going. Open up safely. You know, I'm an eternal optimist, but right now I'm just pissed off that um, we're not more businesses aren't open and the, my friends are suffering and it sucks. And I don't know what my national bodies are doing to help my friends. Right. So it's it's the time that time that somebody, you know, the squeaky wheel gets something going here because it's 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 garbage. Uh, Brad, Brad, as an outsider that um, you guys are kind of in a totally different position, how do you see it with all these other provinces struggling, obviously, with COVID and um, these? Providers? Uh, I think the biggest issue is consistency. Right. Um, and you looked at this in Britain. Right. Uh, you know, Britain stopped following the orders when they didn't make sense. Right. I couldn't see my family, but I could go to a restaurant and eat with 150 people. Um, and, and I feel and God love the conservative governments across this country, but it's the conservative government provinces that are doing an absolute shit job at this. And I got no trouble naming that politically. Um, uh, there's, it doesn't make sense right now. You're in lockdown. So cool. We get that. Everything is shut down. But when you're not in lockdown, but you can have open bowling, which is not controlled versus league bowling which is controlled. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And when Dex and Tim go to do a budget, they have a fixed cost budget and a fixed revenue budget and a variable cost budget and a variable revenue budget. And the league is the fixed revenue, right? That's how they go. We're going to put synthetic lanes down. We're going to put in a virtual thing. They can't do that based on open bowling. They have to do that on the guaranteed income coming in. And I think what happens, and you know, Daryl Bradley, I think you're, your frustration is very well placed is that 
there's a lack of logic. Uh, and, and, and I try to hold my tongue usually, but you're right in that there's definitely um, a disappointment in the presence of our national bodies. Uh, Bob Osborne really couldn't stand Ball Canada, and therefore that wore off on me. So me and Ball Canada kind of struggle, so I'll hold my tongue there. Um, but, like, you know, I get that everyone's going through stuff, but there's a hundreds of thousands of dollars of government grants that go into bowling associations for bowlers. Um, and, and a responsibility comes with that. Um, and I just, I go to those two things, right? There needs to be a consistency and Dex and Tim, you're the guys living it. I can't imagine the frustration, the lack of consistency for you. Cause for me, I lose what I'm doing with my buddies for you. You're using your livelihood. And then I look to the associations. I go, yeah, we all got life going on. But you chose to be in whatever position you're in, and advocacy is a part of those positions. And it's easy to advocate when everything's great. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to advocate when it's not. And sometimes you got to look like the bad person, yeah. right? When you're banging on the minister of whatever you call your minister of get out and go bowling, you know, your minister of rec, your minister of sport, whatever each province has, you're going to look like a bad person. Who cares? <laughs> right? Uh, that's your job as, as, as the elected rep of, of an organization. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we're lucky that we have a forum here that we can reach our bowlers to talk about this. Obviously, there's 20,000 bowlers across the country, but, you know, we're the you know, the, the elite or you know, we're not just that. There's We want to open up to everybody. So open invite to our association you know, presidents or vice presidents or, you know, CEOs. Paul Oliveira as the C5 presidents, you know, and that Tim, I know you're A5. And C5. <laughs> um, you know, for them to come on and let us mm. know what they are doing to advocate for us, right? I'm sure Grady yeah. would be happy with that opportunity. I think that, and that's all that I think that people are asking for. And that's all I'm asking for is just communicate with the bowlers and communicate with your centers to make sure you're letting them know what you're doing for them. Um, and I, I just don't know if they're doing that. I'm yeah. sure what are they doing? You're paying them fees. What are they doing? If they're still working, there, there's got to be something more. Um, and just communicate that. That's all the people are asking for. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe we'll reach out to those guys. Uh, Paul, I, we obviously know. And, uh, you know, you know, Annette or Len Easlison or, or somebody there from the C5 uh, provincial bodies, happy to host another podcast so we can talk about what it is that they're doing to advocate for bowling centers and some people, right? Nice, Brett. Tim, unfortunately, does take the brunt of it. He is the A5 president, and he does a good job about, you know, defending the A5, but Tim's also a person um, in in the group of a board. Um, But, you know, it's uh, he can take back the comments that we asked for A5, and I think Tim, you know, in his defense, does do a good job of communicating here to Edmonton, uh, of tournaments, of what's happening and, and whatnot. Um, you know, and to be a full percent, uh, you know, transparency, I'm looking for what the national body's doing, right? So let's have that yeah. conversation. We want bowling to be back. Obviously, we want it to be safe, um, but there's got to be some advocacy. Yeah. Anyway, my, my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, D.B. Right. That was a good soapbox. That was enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that artwork here, whether it was, uh, you know, Bobby Oak tribute. Uh, uh, I, like, I, I love a good rant. I'm really good at ranting. That, that was almost, almost, almost like a like a six, six zero rant there. That was perfect. Oh, wow. That's, it was good. And then you went so <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? Uh, 
you know, hopefully he'll agree to come on. I know he's done that podcast, so he'll uh, he'll come on. But anyways, that's enough of that topic. So let's wrap it up. Um, obviously, most importantly was Brad as our guest. Thanks for coming on tonight. Um, really great stories, man. A lot of great comments in here. Um, talking about uh, your memory is amazing. Um, some of your history. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you go on. Um, you know, big tribute to Bob Osborne. Obviously, what he did for the sport. Um, competitor, proprietor, um, whatnot. So great to see there. Um, we got some good comments from all the the, co- the the people out there. Looks like Masters sort of won the battle as far as the national mm. format. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was a great show. Great great to have you, Brad. Wrap up comments there from uh, from the other guys. Yeah, we we sure miss having you out here, Brad. It was a uh, it was a good year. <laughs> real quick, I got to say I loved it, and Daryl, I didn't really meet you, but I was looking forward to chatting with you guys. I'm aware there's people watching, but but Dex, I got to play with you, Tim. We had great chats. Obviously, Carrie, we're in the same zone, so I had great times with you. We roomed together, which was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I I really was. So it's been great, guys. I really appreciate uh, it. Brad, did you know Daryl was a bowler? I did. Of course I knew Daryl was a bowler. <laughs> did, did you not listen to the bowling things I just reamed out to? <laughs> no, I just want to make sure. What's yeah. scary is, is you think I named off the Newfoundland teams those year. You start asking me the other teams, and then it gets scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, the eight team or I'm the guy that got in a bubble for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Brad, Brad thanks for staying up so late. Absolutely. My five-year-olds will have outside playtime tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll let you go, Brad. Um, stick around in the back. We'll just do our little quick wrap-up out here, uh, and we'll come back and chat. But uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time, and we'll uh, we'll chat in a bit. Perfect. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Well, that was, awesome. was very good. Awesome. What, a, what an amazing memory. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Mind blowing. He's talking about concussions and and and, and, yeah. and the, the anxiety that came from that. And uh, yeah, clear, clearly has not affected his memory at all. So uh, <laughs> uh, amazing. You know, wonder what kind of homework he did sitting there last night talking to all the guys. Okay, what what stories should I tell? What you know? Yeah. I think he's just dialed in that way. Yeah, uh, it was great. Incredible. It was great having him. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so yeah, obviously we will be doing a podcast again next week. So we hope to have everybody tune in for that. Um, next week, let's do a teaser. Do we, we know who it is. Yeah, um, we do. Very excited about having this. He's got, uh, you know, give Tim, you're the, you're the, the booking agent. Let us know who's on next week and the week after if you want. Yeah. Uh, so we actually have the next two weeks booked. Uh, we're super uh, excited to have uh, Tom Patterson back on next week. Uh, Tom's going to come on and he's going to talk about his new book. And uh, so he's going to give us a little bit of a teaser on that. And then on the 27th, we're really excited to have all the way from Quebec, uh, Helene Gomer is going to be coming on. So really excited to have Helene to come on. So that's going to be really good to have her. Yeah. 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 Can't wait for that. Anyways, all good right. show, guys. Have, have a good night, everybody. Um, thanks for sticking with us and listening. Make sure you do your Patreon. Make sure you do a YouTube subscriber to Five Pin Universe. Um, share this uh, as much as you can. Um, you know, the more awareness, the more things that we can talk about bowling and, uh, and and do for the sport, the better, right? So, and now that you guys know the guests, maybe even submit some questions uh, privately or even post on our Facebook page, and maybe uh, we'll get those guests to answer those right away for you. 
Go yeah, on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later.